This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, hoj här kommer Carlson. Carlson, Carlson, ingen faktiskt, ingen annan Carlson vill jag så bra som mig. Carlson, Carlson, Carlson scores! Carlson, Carlson, världens bästa Carlson. Everybody to a special trade deadline episode of Keep It Carlson Fantasy Hockey Podcast, the best fantasy hockey podcast in the world, hosted by two guys on Eric Carlson and their keeper pools. I am your host, Elon Dubrovsky, and I am unfortunately not joined by Brian Com today. He's busy, but instead, I'm very fortunate to be joined by the managing content editor at Dauber Prospects. I, I hope I got that right, and the host of the Dauber Prospects Radio Podcast. You guys all know who I'm talking about—the great Peter Harling. Welcome, Peter, to the show. Hey, buddy, how's it going? Great. So nice to talk to you. Usually we talk to you in like a summertime episode around the draft. You give us all your prospects experts expertise, but now I guess we're throwing you right into the fire, like probably the busiest episode of the season. All the trade trade deadline stuff happened today and we got to dig into so much. But of course, we'll try to get your prospects expertise along the way and, you know, the take about how this affects all the youngins. I feel like a prospect that got traded on the on the trade deadline and now I'm I'm in the big leagues now. Yeah, here you go. Like, what does it mean to be? I, I've always wondered. Like, you're a prospects expert, so does that mean like once a player makes it to the NHL, do you like forget about them? Like, do, have you been noticing how Connor McDavid is like really good, or are you already like past that now? You're like focusing on the new guys who are coming up. Yeah, it's it's hard not to notice Connor McDavid. Uh, certain players, of course, make it, and it's easy to keep tabs on them. And certain players don't and fade off into obscurity, and it's easy to forget about them. Um, yeah, it's there's just so many players and all the different leagues. It's really hard to keep up with them. So um, my NHL familiarity has uh, has diminished a little bit since I really, really deep dived in the prospects. I, you know, what used to keep me really up to date with who was playing where and how well they were was I was a big time EA Sports NHL player. <laughs> And uh, anytime there was like trade deadline when I was younger, it was all about moving the guys on on my league. On EA Sports onto their new team, and when they added the edit a player feature, I could turn the turn up their skill or turn down skill on certain players. So it was really easy to keep track then, and I knew every player on every team. But uh, now I'm not quite as familiar, but I certainly know much much more about the the lower levels and the prospects. So I'll be able to get some insight on some of the guys and their their opportunities after today's deals. 
Perfect. Yeah. And, and I'll try my best to give my takes on the on the guys in the big league. And obviously you still know all these players. You were tracking them since they were young. That's well, it's like these people who, you know, like we a lot of people only know one language and then they judge people who like come to their country, you know, and like know all these languages, but say don't know English very well. And it's like, you know, every single, you know, so many leagues. So you may not be especially familiar with the NHL, but like, how could anyone judge when you probably know like the players in like 10 different leagues? I'm like basically just knowledgeable of one league. and I probably still don't know all the NHL players, but that was probably a silly analogy. How about we get to the show we got right. so much to talk about why are we doing this uh, this small talk uh of course we should mention that we're presented by dauberhockey.com dauber prospects is of course related to that site but yeah dauber hockey is the place to be especially like today they've broken down every single trade like who benefits who loses from the trade plus i've obviously used frozen tools to prep the show you get all your starting goalies line combinations right up to the date of a specific game uh it's a great site check it out dauberhockey.com it'll give you everything you need and of course dauberprospects.com to check out all the prospects news Let's get going. Okay, so what a deadline day. So many trades. Plus, we had trades earlier in the week. Let's start in Columbus. They seem to have been the busiest team. They're definitely going for it. They didn't trade Panarin. They didn't trade Bobrovsky. Those guys are staying put. And then they brought in a couple ringers. They got Matt Duchesne from the Sens. Ryan Dezingle also from the Sens. They brought in Kincaid, uh, McQuaid. So they're going for it. Uh, And let's dig into the implications over in Columbus. So Matt Duchesne comes from Ottawa and also Julius Bergman. (laughs) And and so you'll get into all these prospects, I guess. Like they traded Vitaly Abramov, Jonathan Davidson, and a first pick and a conditional 2020 first pick. Uh, Then Dezingle came in for a couple picks and Anthony Duclair. Uh, Duchesne and Zingle have been line mates for most of the season. They're both having career years. Duchesne's up to 60 points in 52 games after his goal and assist versus Sa- San Jose on Saturday. Zingle up to 44 points in 57 games. That's a 63-point pace. Duchesne played his first game for the Blue Jackets the day he got traded. It was wild. Like He he woke up in Ottawa as a senator, and then he played against them that night for the Blue Jackets. I, I, I never heard of this before. So that was cool. He didn't have a huge game there, but like I said, the next night he had a big game against San Jose. And I think the biggest news with Duchesne is he went right to the top line and top power play, playing with Panarin and Atkinson, bumping Pierre-Luc Dubois, who was onto a line with Bjorkstan and, and Duclair. I guess they didn't want to break up the Josh Anderson, Nick Foligno, Boone Jenner line. So Pierre-Luc Dubois goes all the way down, didn't play big minutes. He still scored a against San Jose for what it's worth but yeah not the greatest deployment now Dezingle is in and I'm seeing that yeah Dezingle is going to play with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Bjorkstrand and then they're going to keep that Anderson Felino and Jenner line together so I know I'm throwing so many names at you but just curious to get your thoughts with Matt Duchesne on Columbus like this team looks really good and and Dezingle like do you think who do you think is sort of affected by this deal like is Matt Duchesne going to keep on being able to do everything he's doing I feel like he must right his value can't go down if he's going to be playing with Panarin and Atkinson yeah, yeah, it's it's great that Columbus is all in. I think uh, Deshane's an established NHL player. He's produced everywhere he's played. He's had some cold stretches, but uh, I don't see any reason why he would have a hard time playing in Columbus, especially if he plays on a line with the Breadman. Um, I would be surprised if they don't juggle the lines up a little bit now that all the all the chips are settled and their roster is is set. Um, their line combinations could fluctuate as they try and see, you know, heading into the playoffs experiment with who has more chemistry with whom. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see uh, Deshane and Zingle end up back on a line together. And if that's with the bread man, then that's pretty amazing. Um, in terms of the prospects, the prospects that were traded won't have any relevancy this season. Uh, Abramov is the only one that I really like. Uh, he's pretty familiar with the Ottawa area as well, having, Played his junior in in Gatineau, just across the uh, just across the river there. Uh, so he knows the area real well. Um, he struggled when he played at the World Juniors. He's had a decent pro season, 
in the AHL this year. But uh, I think Sens fans should be looking forward to him. And a lot of them will know him as well from his time in, in Gatineau. Yeah, and I guess Columbus, now they've got all these players, so many unrestricted free agents, right? So it'll be really interesting to see if they win. If they don't, it's going to feel like they made a big bozo move, not getting picks and prospects for Panarin and Bobrovsky and instead sending picks and prospects away to get more players. But I think it's kind of fun to see this team uh, do well. And I, I think the main players that benefit if i had to just throw some names out there and that's i think what we'll try to do when we're going through all these trades right who maybe is going to help you in fantasy and going to get better and maybe which players stock is hurt and you maybe want to dump them or see if you could trade them away like pierre Luc dubois is the one i think who definitely takes the hit and then like you said if dezingle could end up with duchene and panarin could you imagine but of course kim atkinson is there and and he's doing really well so it's tough to say since we won't see a few lines and i really like what you said about how things will probably shake up so you don't want to get too stuck on the current lines as they're looking yeah, uh, Kingston did something very similar here last year in the OHL. They had a, a good team, and um, they loaded up on – they went all in. They put all their, their chips in. All, they traded away all the young players and all the draft picks, and they added um, Gabe Velarde, Max Jones, Cliff Poo, Sean Day, and uh, had as a, an all-star team of powerhouse. It didn't work out. They <laughs> they made it, I think, to the conference finals and, and bowed out to Hamilton, who ended up going all the way. Um, but I, you know, I, you can't begrudge a team that, that takes their shot and goes for it. Um, this probably won't work out for Columbus. Only one team can win the Stanley cup. And, uh, you know, they got a lot of, a lot of tough teams to power through. They got to beat the cup champions. They got to beat Pittsburgh's got a couple cups. Uh, Tampa Bay has been steamrolling Toronto and Boston are, um, are contenders as well, right? That's just in the East. If they get through the East yeah. then you know, the West just loaded up with a whole bunch of teams too. Um, but who knows, man? I mean, they, they lost in the first round last year, but to Washington, and they just barely lost to Washington. So who knows, man? Columbus could have gone the whole way last year. Um, it's it's a total gamble on their part. It's a big one. Uh, I don't like the odds, but at least they got a chance. What would be a real, real disaster would be if they don't make the playoffs. Yeah. And you got to, if they don't make the playoffs, then it's like, let these players walk. Like, how can you not make the playoffs with these guys? But that said, like, there are a lot of good teams. Like, Carolina's doing so well. Like, you know, Buffalo is good, is going to try. Like, there are, there is going to be a good team that doesn't make, like, Montreal. Like, these guys are all fighting for a similar spot. So, yeah, it'll be uh, really interesting. And, you know, it'll be a fun time to be a Columbus fan, anyways, this year. And then they'll have to pick up the pieces next year. Hey, they'll still probably be better than the Sens, who lose Duchesne and Dezingle and Mark Stone, who we'll get to. They lost Carlson last year. Like, who's even on the Sens? at this point like if you take a look at their depth chart and i'm seeing a line of pajot pajarvi zach smith and bobby ryan with duclair and logan brown and maybe kachuk with chris tierney and colin white like this is looking kind of like a minor league team here so i it's hard for me to now try to figure out who are the players on the sends who still have fantasy value like you would think thomas shabbat has been the guy on the sends this year aside from duchene and stone who are now gone in the single i guess uh thomas shabbat was so good he started the year he was over a point per game he's fallen from that but he's still been a really decent fantasy owner especially for a defenseman it's really hard to get defensemen who can give you consistent production but if he's going to be playing with these forwards that i just told you about I don't know. I, I have trouble having a lot of confidence in Thomas Shabbat for the rest of this season. I'm curious even to know what's your take on him in terms of his prospect value moving forward. Like as a keeper, he was looking like such a gem at the start of the year. But who's this guy going to produce with? Well, the rest of this year is is obviously going to be difficult for Ottawa. Um, when Shanahan took over on the Leafs and they started their rebuild, he he coined the phrase, there will be pain. And I think the Senators are, are going to be feeling that pretty hard for the rest of the season. This So far, it's been pretty rough. 
but it's going to get worse before it gets better. I don't think that the production from Shabbat and Kachuk should diminish too much. Uh, I think those are players that have the ability to generate on their own. They're, they're that good. They're skilled players and they'll be getting all the ice time. Yes. They'll be facing the other team's uh, top checkers and the other team will be focusing in on them, but I think they will be, they'll persevere. Someone's got to score for Ottawa. So those guys are going to be involved in it one way or another. Um, another neat thing for Ottawa is, I mean, DeShane's a rental and I think it was Mark Savard said, don't be surprised uh, and he said, when, not if, uh, Duchesne re-signs in Ottawa next year. Uh, so that could be a really interesting wrinkle to this whole situation where that, that turns out to be a, a pretty generous return. If they can re-sign him as a free agent on July 1st and they get Abramov and a first-round pick and some other fringe prospects for renting him out for a couple of months in a playoff run, that's that's a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, I mean, that's not something... It's so hard to imagine a player wanting to sign with Ottawa, like we, especially since we've seen Eric Carlson, you know, not accept the contract. Mark Stone didn't accept the contract. It looks like Duchesne didn't. So it's so hard to imagine a player's going to want to come to this team. But I mean, obviously, yeah, that would kind of change everything. Because right now, it seems like there's a bit of a dearth of star power there. But yeah, as far as fantasy for this season goes... Like you say, like you'd think Shabbat and maybe Brady Kachuk to a lesser extent could do something, but I would I would be hard pressed to want to depend on them for like going into my fantasy playoffs just because they're not going to have great players to play with that. So still on Columbus, maybe let's get to a couple of these minor players. So they get Keith Kincaid uh, f- from the Devils for a fifth round pick. Kincaid had that nice-ish breakout last season. He put up a 913 save percentage overall. He won like 26 games out of 41. He stole the job from Corey Schneider for a bit and helped the Devils on a run to the playoffs. Obviously, Taylor Hall also helped quite a bit. This year, he's been like so much worse. He's 891 save percentage. Kincaid has been brutal. Uh, and But I guess Eunice Corposalo also hasn't been great, which is why Columbus decided to bring in maybe some extra help for, I guess, maybe the worst case if Bobrovsky gets injured. or I, I don't even know. I guess if they're going for it, they want to at least have some uh, fallback plan if a goalie gets hurt or something like that to go into the playoffs. But do you see any value in Kincaid or Corposalo? Are these guys that people should think of adding in their fantasy leagues, either in a one-year or in a keeper league? Or are these just like backup goalies that you'd, you wouldn't want to have these guys on your team? Because if they do play, there's a good chance they're going to get blown up. I would consider them to be backup goalies. I don't think either of them. It, it's a plan B. If if Bobrovsky gets injured, then you know, you've, you've invested all of these assets to make a playoff run. You're all in. You have to insulate your goalie uh, just in case. And I guess they weren't super confident in Corpusalo, given his track record this season. Not that Kincaid is, as you said, any better, but at least it gives them options. Um, they're yeah. both they're both going to be free agents at the end of the season, which I find is uh, very concerning. So is uh, JF Barube, uh, and Corpusalo is going to be sorry a, a restricted free agent. And they got some prospects, but none of them that I think they would want to throw into a playoff match. I mean, they're all playing in Europe. They're relevant goalie prospects, Vinny Vahalainen, Elvis Merz-Lincolns, and Daniel Tarasov. Uh, they're all playing in Europe. So uh, to expect them to be able to come over and, and fill in an NHL playoff run uh, at a young age is probably not a good idea. So I think this is just a an insurance situation. Um, I don't like them for... DFS or a one-year season and they don't have a lot of upside in, in long-term keeper either. 
Yeah, so I guess we'll just have to hope hope that Bobrovsky stays healthy to help Columbus on this run. Bobrovsky owners should be happy. Like, this should be good for him, too. This team is going to go for it. They're going to try to win games. They've got a lot of star power, so you think they're going to be able to get a little bit more wins and hopefully get a comfortable playoff spot. Uh, so, okay, Mark Stone also leaves the sense. He goes to Vegas for Eric Brandstrom, Oscar Lindbergh, 2020 second-round pick. Then Mark Stone signed an eight-year, $9.5 million contract extension. So Mark Stone's going to be a Vegas Golden Knight for a long, long time. And, uh, like, I'll be honest. Like, Mark Stone is so good. And, like, I didn't expect him to be able to match his 88-point pace from last year. Like, last year he had 62 points in 58 games. So he had an injury-shortened season. And going into this season, I'm like, yeah, Mark Stone's great. But, like, come on. He's not, like, a point-per-game player. He's Mark Stone. But, like, he's doing it again. He exact. I, in fact, right now, he's again at 62 points in 59 games. But he's actually going to be able to play the rest of the season, hopefully. Hopefully. Hopefully he won't pull a Zuccarello and get injured in his first game. He should hopefully be able to now play and maybe get to like 80 plus points. So Vegas gets this like point per game player. They picked up Pacioretty at the start of the season. So they've really done a great job of building up their team. And now we'll just have to see if they can put it all together. Uh, lately, they've been playing uh, Marsh, so Carlson Smith on the top line, Stasny, Tuck and Brandon Peary. And I feel like, like there was originally Stasny, Tuck and Pacioretty and they decided to split that up. I feel like Mark Stone could fit in very well on that Stasny, Alex Tuck line or maybe Pacioretty. Gets it. it's, again, it's so hard to figure out the line combos. I think the one obvious thing is that Mark Stone will be fine because he's going to be playing with good players, either with Paul Stasny or maybe with Jonathan Marcheseau. So I wouldn't worry about him like going down in value. I'll be curious to know if you, if you disagree. And I feel like uh, someone like Brandon Peary, probably it's going to be hard for him to stay in the top six now if they have a Mark Stone who could go there. So I feel like he's the guy who's already was slowing down. And uh, he's like, if you haven't dropped him yet, like for sure, let him go. Uh, but yeah, that's my like general take on the trade. And obviously, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on the return Ottawa got. Like Eric Brandstrom is obviously the big name here, a defenseman to hopefully play with uh, Thomas Shabbat for years to come. Yeah, uh, I, I like the trade for for both teams. There's, it was clear that Stone wasn't coming back to Ottawa. The Pierre Dorian said in his little post trade deadline interview that they they tried to convince him to sign and they they couldn't do that. So they were they were forced to trade him. Uh, it doesn't make sense to lose him for nothing. Uh, they don't, you know, you're not going in a playoff run, so uh, it would be a subtraction from your roster, and all you would get back would be cap space which is valuable but i mean the return they got is fantastic so i like this trade for vegas they obviously get themselves a premier uh first line winger i think they get him at a pretty good deal too uh, 9.5 million aav i think it was i think i think he could have got more if he wanted to hit the open market as a free agent uh, i think he could have got uh, into the double digits easily uh but i think the tax situation in vegas made that a little bit more amenable uh, and Obviously, he liked Vegas. He likes where they're at. Makes him uh, puts him on a, a, a cup contender. Uh, and he's like you said, he's going to be surrounded by good players, no matter what line he's on. I think it's pretty safe to say he's going to be on the first line. But whoever they they pair with him is is going to be the beneficiary. Uh, in terms of the return, uh, I thought it was a great return. Uh, Branstrom is an elite prospect. Uh, he's comparable in upside to Quinn Hughes or Cal McCarr. Uh, he's got huge fantasy upside uh, in a few years, as soon as next year. I mean, he's playing in the AHL right now, and he's doing just fine. You know, so he'll, he should be able to play on the Senators next year. And, and in a few years, him and Thomas Shabbat should be a dominant pairing in the in the NHL. Arguably the, the top two pairing defensemen on any team in, in the NHL. So that's something that Sens fans have to look forward to. That'll be really exciting. The only disappointing thing is because with all this losing that they're going to be doing, they don't have their first round pick. If you 
if you had that, if they just had that pick, you'd be looking at um, Jack Hughes or Capo Caco in all likelihood. But uh, Colorado fans rejoice. Yeah, and also it's possible that Colorado could even get both picks, right? Because they're kind of sliding right now. That would be the craziest thing. And yeah, like that, it would be a whole different. I feel like it would be a whole different story with Ottawa. And obviously, we can't go too long on just the Ottawa Senators. There's so much to talk about. But it would be a whole other story. I feel like if they had that pick, because at least then you could be like, okay, we're rebuilding. Maybe Duchesne will sign because he sees that. Like, it's, it's hard to imagine that there's uh, bright skies ahead or blue skies ahead. Uh, okay, but. Let's go on from the sense, yeah, I agree with you that, yeah, maybe also I was being closed-minded. Like, I was kind of assuming that the top line on Vegas would just stick as Marsha, so Carlson and Riley Smith, because that's what they've been doing forever. But, like, why not even try, maybe you were saying that Mark, so whatever line he's on is the top line, but, like, why not put him with Marsh? So maybe, like, William Carlson, that could be a really sweet pairing. And then, yeah, they've already been moving things around, so they really need to see where they land. And I feel like either way, like, you'll have to see sort of who gets bumped from the top six. That person will get hurt. That could be Riley Smith in the end. That could be, you know, Max Pacioretty stays in the bottom six. Also, there's a top power play spot that Brandon Peary was holding. So I feel like that's going to for sure go to Mark Stone as well. Uh, Let's go to another team. Let's go to Dallas. What a crazy day for Dallas Stars fans over the weekend, right? Like, okay, Saturday night around 8 p.m., it's announced the Stars have got Matt Zuccarello from the Rangers. So cool, right? For a couple picks, not even such a big price, I guess. And they get this like guy who's been doing so well lately. And Dallas also acquired Ben Lovejoy from New Jersey, and they're you know they're holding a final wild card spot at the time. And it's like, okay, now we're going to really take a run, at least try to make the playoffs. Not paying that much seemed good. Then news came out that Zuccarello would actually play the next day versus the Blackhawks. He like took an early flight or something, like got in there just in time. He played on a line with Jamie Ben and someone named Rupe Hints, who you probably know a lot more about than I do. Uh, and then, like, Zuc- and then what a game he has, right? He, like, Zuccarello assists on erratic facts a goal in the first period. He scores a goal in the second period. Jamie Ben actually gets hurt in the first. So Zuccarello moves around. But, you know, whatever. Ben is only day-to-day. He should be back soon enough, apparently. But then Zuccarello blocks a shot in the second. Apparently, like, broke his arm. He's going to have surgery. He's going to be out at least four weeks. That's it! That's the Zuccarello. Like, he'll probably he'll be an unrestricted free agent this summer, and uh, who knows if he'll leave. that might be his only game ever on, on the Dallas Stars. It's crazy. It's like I, you know, I wanted to ask you like all oh, the like I was imagining so many great things to bring up on the podcast. All the fantasy implications, right? Like maybe this is great. This will help Jamie Ben get better now that he'll have someone to play with. Like this will help Dallas, you know, have at least two good lines instead of having to decide. If but, but now I kind of feel like what do I what am I even supposed to ask you about this trade? Like it all seems moot. Like everything just goes back to what it was before. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, that is just a that's a gut punch for Dallas Stars. You know, you trade for a player, you you get your guy, and he plays twenty minutes and blows his wing, and now he's done. Uh, so there's yeah, unfortunately there's not there's not really much about that to talk about really. Yeah. yeah. So how about I'll ask you? But there is a player on Dallas I did want to ask you about. A lot of people have been asking about him recently. John Klingberg's been having a bit of a disappointing follow up to his sixty-seven point campaign last year. This would have been another guy that I would have said, "Oh, it really helps that Zuccarello's in. Maybe that'll help the power play." Uh, forget about that. But yeah, like Zuccarello's in a cold streak right now. He actually had a stretch of only two points in nine games until actually his most recent four games. He's done a little better. He has three assists, including a power play since yesterday versus Chicago. But still, overall, Klingberg thirty points in forty-four games. It's a fifty-six point pace, which is good for a defenseman. But like we were. Think of him as a potential like seventy point guy going into the season, based on what he did the last couple of years. So, what do you think about Klingberg moving forward? Like, maybe was he overrated going into the season? Was he expected to be like a seventy point guy, or, or maybe is this more the John Klingberg that we should have expected, closer to like a fifty five, sixty pointer? No, I think this year is the anomaly. Uh, I think you know he's got a, a track record that speaks for itself in the last three years. Uh, if you own him in your fantasy league, I would just weather the storm. 
And if you don't own him in your fantasy league and the owner who does is getting impatient with him and he's giving you a buy low opportunity, that's something that I would strike on. I think he's going to rebound, if not this year, then next year for sure. Who knows, maybe he's been playing with some sort of nagging injury or something. Um, you know, hockey players are humans. Maybe he's got a newborn baby. I don't follow that stuff too closely, but I can tell you that when you have a newborn baby, you can kiss sleep goodbye. And I'm not a very good hockey player, but without a lot of sleep, I'm an even worse hockey player. So there's things like that that could be factors. You never know. Uh, I would be very, very, very happy to acquire him in a trade and uh, hope for smoother sailing next season. Yeah. So again, this is the kind of guy like those guys in the sense. It's almost like it's hard to expect him to do so much better this year, especially by the way with Jamie Ben injured right now. And like you know, he he's like I said, he has three points in his last four games. Maybe he could get rolling, but Dallas has been having some trouble scoring, and obviously now with Zuccarello hurt, it's you know like I, I'm not expecting a seventy point pace moving forward. But yeah, that's a good idea that if you're in a keeper league, and especially. I don't know if you're not past your trade deadline yet, he could be a really good guy that you could either buy low on now or just remember for your drafts next year that he might be underrated and be a nice chance for you to get him a little bit later than you normally can. Uh, let's go now to so many trades to talk about. So I guess we go to the Rangers. They traded away Zuccarello and they also traded away Hayes. So we'll talk about Kevin Hayes in a little bit. But over on the Rangers, that lead left an open spot on their top line because Zuccarello was playing with Zibanejad and Kreider and doing so well. And that's a really great landing spot for Jimmy Vesey, who's been on that top line in Zuccarello's place. And he's taken advantage so far. Two straight, one goal, one assist games. That's four points in the last couple games. And I really like that as well. Like Zabanjad has really shown himself to be a true like superstar in the league. What a steal when the Rangers got him for Derek Broussard a couple years ago. And so at this point, I almost want to say people should rush out to grab Jimmy Vesey in their fantasy leagues just because he's going to be playing with Zabanjad and Kreider. And I don't, not to sell Kreider short, he's good too. Yeah, I, I like VC. Um, I think he's. Uh, I think his production for the remainder of the season should be sustainable too. I mean, you pointed out that he's on a bit of a bit of a role here, uh, playing basically the top line, maybe even by default, but that doesn't matter. He's playing on the top line and he's producing. He's only twenty five percent owned on fan tracks, so there's a lot of opportunity to add him, even if you're in DFS or keeper leagues. I think there's there's value here. Do I think it's sustainable beyond this season? That remains to be seen. The Rangers are a team that have the ability to spend up to the cap. Uh, they're a very rich franchise. Whether or not they they will, because they're in a rebuild stage. But, I mean, hey, man, there's some pretty good free agents coming up on this summer. Uh, qualifying offers as well. They are a team that has a lot of prospects. They've been loading up on, on kids for the last few years. So maybe they're one of the teams that makes a qualifying offer. Like I know our friends at Average Time on Ice have been saying that Artemi Panarin is all but signed with the Rangers for next year. They're very excited. Rangers fans, very excited for that. Uh, so yeah, definitely Jimmy Vesey is the kind of guy, I don't even know if you're going to want to hold on to him for the rest of the season. I'd say grab him now while he's hot and ride it while it lasts while he's playing on that top line. A couple other guys in the Rangers, maybe I could get your quick takes on. Ryan Strom's also on a nice run, seeing big minutes of Zuccarello and Hayes out of the picture. He's got seven points in his last seven games. And also Anthony D'Angelo out of nowhere is on a crazy point streak. He had a power place this yesterday. Now he's got a seven game point going all assists but hey a point's a point D'Angelo's on fire he's not getting top power play time Shattenkirk's still been getting that I saw Neil Pionk was actually on the top power play with Shattenkirk in the last game but D'Angelo getting like second power play time and it's been still a decent chunk of time so yeah, what do you think about Strom and D'Angelo do you think either of these guys can keep their current paces up or are these less likely to be able to be sustainable so I think Strom is in a pretty similar, similar situation to to VC. Um, I think it's sustainable for the rest of the season for sure. He's only 16% fan track zones. He's maybe got less upside than VC, 
I suppose that's arguable. So again, yeah, the rest of the season, I think it's sustainable. Um, he's uh, he's a good player you can add as a free agent. As far as D'Angelo goes, um, uh, so the story with him is he's always been very, very high-skilled player. His skill level isn't isn't in question. He's got the ability to play a high number of minutes and produce at a high level for fantasy hockey value. He's a highly skilled player. He can skate really well. He's got decent size. The holes in his game are are defensively, but more importantly, I think off ice, he's got some character issues. Um, So I understand I've, you know, I've never met him or talked to him or anything, but I've heard some stories. Um, So he's still very young. I like to think that he's matured and, and grown and, and has addressed those character issues. I think uh, if he can overcome that, that'll allow him to play in the NHL, even if he's got defensive warts in his game still. I think that would be okay. So what I would be thinking the New York Rangers are doing right now is they're looking at giving him a, a full audition for the rest of the season, um, just so they can get a really clear idea of, is this someone that they can include in their in their future, right, as part of their their core? Right now, all signs are pointing to yes. As you said, he's got some pretty sweet point totals lately he's on a bit of a on a bit of a streak uh streak sorry seven game point streak tying guys like the great neil pionk um so we'll see what he does for the rest of the season and and how he handles his off season and whatnot but i'm saying there's a chance <laughs> that's i like it and hey so we have nathan here in the chat room saying he just recently dropped muzzin for d'angelo for his like his bottom defense and that's the kind of move i would suggest making right like muzzin's not doing that much he does have an assist today but you know we don't see him as too much more than like a 35 40 point guy since he's not on the top power play in toronto so why not take a streaking anthony d'angelo for now and then you could always maybe jump to someone else later on so you have to decide how much flexibility you have i like the rangers schedule for this week wednesday friday sunday schedule so even if you just want to stream for this week you'll probably be able to fit him in for all three of the games Okay, so, so many more trades to get to. How about before we get to that, we can take a quick break to thank a sponsor for this podcast, if that's okay with you. It's our friends over at SeatGeek, and I want to play a game with you in a little bit, Peter, as I've been doing with Brian, when we talk about our friends over at SeatGeek. So yeah, SeatGeek, that's the place that you get tickets online. End of story, okay? So getting tickets, it can be complicated. There's hundreds of sites, varying levels of reliability. It's hard to know who to trust. That's why SeatGeek is the way to go. They pull millions of tickets into one place. You can easily find seats you want for the price you're willing to pay. You, this is the time where you want to go to hockey games, right? Like, imagine if you're a Columbus Blue Jackets fan. I want to go see them when they have Duchesne and Panarin and Bobrovsky before they're all gone. So why not, if you are in the area or they're coming to town, go on SeatGeek, browse, see. You could also sort by value. You can sort of find out where's the best deals. Also, they don't have any hidden fees, like the price you see is the price you pay. Lots of other great features. So I'd recommend downloading the app and checking out what kind of tickets you can get. Uh, so you are in Kingston, Ontario. I believe, Peter. So I've took a look at what you could be doing with your time over in Kingston if you wanted to go out. I know you're like, I, I don't see a lot of tickets to prospect games. What, what is it? The Kingston Frontenacs is yeah, the right. Uh, OHL team? Right. Yeah. So probably those you don't need to buy on Seeky. You could probably just get those at the stadium. But if you wanted to see a concert, um, I see you've got Kiss coming. That's pretty exciting. Uh, Justin Timberlake. What, what do you think is more expensive on Seeky? Justin Timberlake or Kiss? Uh, Justin Timberlake. Oh, actually, no. Kiss 111, Justin Timberlake 98. Look at that. A steal. You see Justin Timberlake for $98. Uh, and you can actually, <laughs> you could even get uh, $10 off your ticket to see Justin Timberlake if uh, you're a listener of Keeping Carlson because SeatGeek will give a $10 discount on your first SeatGeek purchase. Just use the offer code KEEPING at checkout. That's the promo code KEEPING at checkout, and you're going to get $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. 
SeatGeek Life's an event. We have the tickets. Okay, so let's get back to our next trade here. Let's go to Nashville. They've added a couple big names today. That's a team that, just like Columbus, is clearly going forward here. So, though, I, I like these moves also for the future. So, they get Wayne Simmons, first of all, from Philly. So, that's more of a just this year thing because he's going to be unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. They don't pay much for him, right? Ryan Hartman and a pick. But they also, a trade, I didn't even know this guy was on the block, but Kyle Granlin goes from Minnesota to Nashville for Kevin Fiala. And I, I'm going to need you to explain this trade to me because last time I checked, Mikhail Granlin is like a superstar. He's coming off two straight 70-point seasons. He's on a 64-point pace this year, so he's not too far off. And Fiala has seemed like a bit of a disappointment, at least to me. Like fantasy-wise, he's never been able to stay on any of my fantasy teams. I picked him up for little runs here and there. I imagine this trade has to do with like contract implications. Obviously, Fiala's like four years younger, but man, this seems like a great deal for Nashville to get Mikel Granlin for Fiala. I agree. I think this has the potential to be uh not quite as as drastic, but Along the same lines as uh, Erad for Forsberg. This is just a one-sided trade. I I had a hard time figuring it out and justifying it for Minnesota as well. Uh, To your point, the contract status, I guess you get a little bit more cost certainty with Fiala as Granlin has one year remaining and he'll be an unrestricted free agent. So he's got the balance of this year and then next. Uh, And then Fiala is an RFA this summer. So I suppose you could argue that you could sign him long term and and get more years out of him, and he is a few years younger than than Granlin as well. But um, so far in their career, the point disparity is is lopsided heavily in Granlin's favor. Uh, Fiala is a he's a skilled prospect, though. I mean, so this has the potential to to go either way. Um, really bad for Minnesota, and really really good for Nashville, or even. Um, we'll see what what Granlin. I think he'll be Granlin in Nashville, and and he'll keep putting up close to point per game totals. Um, but Fiala has the the potential here with a clean slate and a new team. He, he seemed to struggle with getting the coach's confidence in, in Nashville, regardless of who the coach was. Uh, so he's got a, a new lease on life here in Minnesota, and hopefully he can realize the potential that he's had and the reason why people have been signing him in fantasy hockey. Um, hopefully he can. We'll, you know, we'll see. Yeah, I guess, hey, it worked for Dylan Strom going to Chicago, right? A change of scenery, and all of a sudden he blew up. Maybe that'll happen for Kevin Fiala going to Minnesota. Of course, uh, Minnesota doesn't have a Patrick Kane or an Alex DeBrinkett for Fiala to play with, but they have some pretty okay players. They were, maybe it was better when they had Kel Granlin. Zach Parise is having a bit of a resurgence. Uh, but over on Nashville, so generally the top lines been Arvidsson, Forsberg, and Johansson. So now I could imagine a second line of Kyle Turris with Granlin and Wayne Simmons. So right away that tells me, Great for Kyle Turris. He's going to get some better line mates than the types of guys he's been playing with before. Uh, Granlin, like you said, I don't see a reason for him to do any worse. Like he's, like I said, 64 point pace. I think he should be able to at least keep that up. Wayne Simmons is kind of interesting. He's had a pretty brutal season, 27 points in 62 games. Like he was bad last year and we were willing to kind of write that off. Like here, keeping Carlson, Brian and I were like, this guy was injured like all last year coming in and out of injury. Like, let's just write that year off. Like that wasn't the real Wayne Simmons, but now here he is. Like I said, 27 points, 62 games, less than a half point per game. So obviously it's easy to say his value will improve because it can't get any worse. Uh, but yeah, we'll have to see that. Obviously, if Nashville trade for him, it wasn't to play him in the bottom six. So I'd imagine, like I said, he gets a shot probably on a Kyle, like on a Kyle line with Kyle Turris, right? Um, and maybe Granlund or some combination with Arvidsson, Forsberg, and Johansson. Uh, so I don't know. I feel like like Simmons has been playing in Philly lately with Scott Lawton and James Van Riemsdyk. So I feel like he might get an upgrade, and we'll just have to see what happens. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> do you have any takes on Wayne Simmons? Do you think he could improve, or do you think maybe he's just not that good anymore? 
I think the latter. Um, I don't think he's that good anymore. Uh, on the last episode of our show, Steve Laidlaw was on, and he talked about um, Wayne Simmons, and he's, he hasn't been the same player for two years, and uh, the market value needs to catch up to that. The perception of his value needs to catch up. Uh, I think he was slotted nicely on the third line in Nashville, and he's a good uh, player on the power play to sit him in front of the net. Still has some value on the power play that way. Um, and it gives Nashville a little bit more physical presence. I mean, they went out and they added, was it Cody McLeod and um, and Brian Boyle? So they're looking to get a lot tougher, obviously, for the playoffs. So he gives them another element there. But, I mean, he's not the only one that can then do that for Nashville. So they won't be dependent on him for that. So I think third line is is probably where he ends up slotting. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I guess that's true because they do have like Craig Smith, who always seems to play well for stretches when he's playing with Turris. And uh, I think he's injured right now, but he, he should be back sometime soon, I believe. So yeah, we'll have to see how the lines shake out in Nashville. To me, the big winner here is Kyle Turris. So if he's available in free agency, I think he's the guy that I'd be looking to grab right now if you want to grab a Nashville player. Uh, one guy on Nashville that's actually been pretty disappointing lately. We brought him up recently. I'm curious to get your take. PK Subban, like, is he like another Simmons? Is he just not that good anymore? Because he's on pace for his lowest point total since 2011-12. Only 21 points in 45 games. That's a 38-point pace. Like this guy, he had 59 points last season. This year, the total opposite. A big part of it, like Brian brought up the last time we talked about him, is the power play. He only has six power play points so far as opposed to the 25 he had last year. Maybe these trades that Nashville made could give P.K. Subban some hope. Like, even if he's on the second power play now, it seems like he'll have potentially a couple better players to play with. Uh, but yeah, like in a keeper league moving forward, like Subban used to be one of maybe a top 10 defenseman. Now it's hard to even justify keeping him on your team this year. Like if you're going into your fantasy playoffs and you have a 38 point defenseman, you have Anthony D'Angelo in free agency. I know this sounds crazy, but maybe, you know, give him a couple of weeks. But at some point you want to just get someone who's actually producing. Well, like Klingberg. Subban has a very, very proven track record. So if it's a keeper league, I would not be pulling the plug on him yet. And the strength of his game has always been his boom and shot, his ability to run the power play and his skating. So I don't watch a lot of Nashville games. It's been a while since I've seen PK play, but watch a game. And if he can still skate, then I would, I would weather the storm. Uh, Or if you think he can still skate, then, and you don't own him, this again could be a good buy low opportunity. Yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. I guess similar to Klingberg, like you said. Like, he's not doing well now. I you got to imagine P.K. Subban. Like, we used to think of him. I remember back in the day, we were thinking of Carlson, Latang Subban as, like, the top three offensive defensemen to own before, like, this next wave of the Klingbergs go spares. Like, John Carlson came in. So, yeah, uh, it would obviously be nice if he was getting top power play time. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I'd like to see him at least get, like, a 45-point pace. Like, this 38-point pace. Come on, P.K. Subban. Uh, over on Minnesota, so we already mentioned how they got Fiala. They also traded Charlie Coyle for Ryan Donato earlier in the week. So they got Donato from the Bruins. Uh, so as far as Fiala goes, first of all, uh, like I said, 32 points in 64 games so far this year. And so we've said, like, maybe he'll be good. Maybe not. We'll see what the change of scenery does. Ryan Donato, though, has had a really nice start with Minnesota after arriving. He had two assists, including a power play assist in his debut on Thursday versus the Rangers. Another assist in four shots versus Detroit on Friday. He then scored the overtime winner versus the Blues last night. Uh, he's not playing with, like, the best line mates. like playing with Joel Erickson-Eck and Luke Koonin. Uh, but he is playing on a power play with Stahl and Jason Zucker. So I, I don't know. Like Obviously, Donato is doing well so far. I remember last year, 
he had a really nice stint in Boston when he got called up late in the season. But then this year, you know, I think believe it, at the start of the season, he was even playing on the top power play. And we were thinking going into the year that maybe he would be a nice sleeper pick for late in your drafts. And some of that might make an impact. Clearly didn't happen. He only had nine points in 34 games with the Bruins, but he's really doing well now in his first three games for Minnesota. So do you think Ryan Donato is someone people should be looking at? Like, how would you compare if you have both Fiala and Donato available in free agency and you're really hankering to get a Minnesota wild player on your team, which one would you want? Hmm. That's a tough call. Actually. Um, I like Ryan Donato a lot. So let, let's talk about that for a sec. Um, I think he's having a honeymoon period right now with his new team. You'll see a lot of players will have that after they're, they're traded somewhere else. Um, I'm not sure how long that honeymoon period will last, but he's got a pretty good pedigree. He's a very good prospect. He was outstanding in the NCAA with Harvard. Uh, he was very, very good with USA at the world juniors and he made the men's Olympic team. Um, last year sorry about my dog in the background uh and he had that like you said he had that great debut with boston at the end of the 18 season so all signs were pointing up for donato uh he's had a bit of a sophomore slump this year having a difficulty following that up but i have all kinds of faith in him in order to do that so if i had to choose between fiala and donato i guess for now i would go with fiala because he's you know he's, he's got a few more seasons under his belt in the nhl he's a little bit more proven um hopefully he has that honeymoon period in in minnesota as well uh but if it were long term i think i might be more more interested in donato i think he maybe has a little bit more upside in the long term interesting okay so yeah long term go fiala i mean they did trade mikhail granlin for him so they must think something of kevin fiala and we'll have to see what deployment they give him i'll be really interested to see the minnesota lines once everything shakes out one thing that's nice to see is eric stahl is alive. It's been finally shown that he's still actually alive and playing. He's gotten points now in three straight games after that nine-game pointless streak where I was tearing my hair out. I traded for him in one league earlier this year. I felt like he was underrated. I got him for, I thought, a pretty good steal, and he was doing so well for me until he totally just disappeared right during my playoff run. So thankfully, Eric Stahl's doing well. Hopefully, I'm not jinxing him right now. Uh, Over on Boston, Charlie Coyle had his debut with the Bruins on Saturday versus St. Louis. He centered the third line with Bacchus and Peter Sellerick. Uh, he got on the top power play also with Bergeron, DeBrusque, Marchand, and Krug, because of course Pasternak still with that finger injury. Uh, he ended the game, though, Charlie Coyle I'm talking about, no shots, no points. So hard to be too excited about him. He had that good year a couple years ago. He had 56 points back in 16-17. Hasn't done much since. And actually, maybe before I get you to talk about Coyle, let's also mention that the Bruins made another acquisition. They got Marcus Johansson from the Devils today for a couple of picks. And Johansson, he's been great lately, right? He's jumped on the top line in that Taylor Hall spot, playing with Nico Heischer and Jesper Bratt, but now I hear Jesper Bratt's intro. But yeah, Johansson, seven points in his last six games, so he's been awesome. And, you know, over on Boston, they do have an opening on that top line, especially now with Pasternak out. But even before when Pasternak was healthy, they were playing with playing some different players with Marchand and Bergeron. Danton Heinen's been there. It's not like Danton Heinen has been that good. And Marcus Johansson, who's coming from a top-line situation in New Jersey, that could be a really nice sleeper steal right now and someone you might want to add in your fantasy leagues because if Charlie Coyle's going to be playing on the third line, hard to get too excited about him. But if Marcus Johansson could potentially get on the top line playing with Marchand and Bergeron, maybe even top power play. I don't know if I'm getting too greedy here, but you know, like that's also an open spot. And Marcus Johansson has succeeded back on the top power play in Washington a few years ago when he was playing there with Ovechkin and company. He was getting a ton of power play points. So I'm kind of liking Marcus Johansson. So yeah, what do you think about these new Bruins acquisitions? All right. So let's let's go back a little bit. Coil. I, I don't have a lot of interest in him. I think he's a, a versatile player. He can play up and down your roster. You can play in multiple positions. 
Uh, you can you can plug him and play him where you need him, and he's uh, he's a fit throughout the roster, and that has really really great NHL value. The problem is it has less fantasy value than NHL value. That that's just not a commodity that translates to your team because you only want people who are in the top six on the power play all the time. Um, it, the positional eligibility is is nice. It can give you some diversity with your roster if you're playing in daily rosters, Yahoo or Fantrax, but. Um, I'm not super, super high on, on coil personally. And Marcus Johansson, he's a player I think uh, has a really good opportunity here. You know, it's contract season for him. That's perhaps why he's having such a good season. Uh, he's also a versatile player, but he's really, I, I see him as a, a depth uh, placeholder for the Bruins. They're looking for uh, supplementary scoring beyond their their top line. Their top line is arguably the best in the NHL when they're all healthy, and he's got a chance to, to fill in there while um, while Past is injured. But uh, I think the long-term, what Bruins are looking for is, is they're hoping that one of their several talented prospects can fill that role long-term at a much more affordable cap hit. So you're looking at JFK or Andres Bjork, Trent Frederick, Tlerik, uh, Sinitian, one of those guys. Um, so, you know, Johansson's a great solution for them now because those kids have all had chances throughout the season at different points this year uh none of them have proven to be quite ready for primetime players yet so marcus Trahanson gets the balance of the season and the playoffs with the bruins gives him an opportunity to show he's worth a new contract in the nhl worth significant money in term and uh you know so it's a win-win situation for everyone and he's someone who i think has an opportunity to have some some better fantasy value for the balance of the season yet yeah, I like that. And it's true. Like these guys on Boston, they've tried different pieces playing in the tops of the Gondras Bjork. I remember we were all excited about in the preseason. I think it's like a couple of years ago now that it was looking like he was potentially going to get a shot playing with Marshan and Bergeron and then Pasternak would be on a second line. They kept on having to put Pasternak back on that top line because they couldn't find anyone to stick. Maybe Marcus Johansson is the answer, at least for now. And then we'll see for next year. But yeah, there was a question in the chat room earlier on. I can't uh, here. Uh, Sean O, any advice you can provide on which player will have the biggest bump in value? Uh, in in the after the trade deadline, and I feel like Marcus Johansson is available in a lot of leagues, and he's someone I like right now for however long he plays on the top line. And actually, to be fair, he hasn't even been confirmed to play on the top line. I'm just kind of assuming that that's going to happen. Why else would they trade for him? Okay, uh, Brandon Montour goes to the Buffalo Sabers for a first round pick, and a guy named Brendan Gould, which I love the name. I know Charlie Day would also love Gould's. Uh, so there was a lot of hype for Brandon Montour going into last season. Like I remember everyone was talking about Montour, like he's going to really like blow up. And he was like a huge disappointment, 32 points last year in 80 games. And he hasn't fared much better this year, only 25 points in 62 games. And a lot of those points came when Cam Fowler was injured. He's been doing pretty much nothing lately. Now he goes to the Sabres where you can't imagine he has a huge opportunity to, you know, like get a better role than he's had in Anaheim, considering the two Razmai are there. Darlene is ha- having a decent game today. I think he has two power play assists. The Sabres are losing 4-2 to the Leafs. Uh, but Brian always hates it when I give like the live game updates for people and they're going to be listening to the next day. And it's like totally irrelevant to them. Uh, but yeah, but Brandon Montour, good player, but I can't imagine you're going to recommend him for this year, at least as having fantasy value though. Uh, maybe, I'll, maybe I'll be wrong. All right. Well, first of all, I think uh, what's interesting about this is Buffalo moved out Nathan Bouliou, who wanted to be traded. Uh, they gave up a good prospect to get Montour and Brandon Gooley. He has uh, he had a great junior career in the dub, and uh, I think that's a, a piece that was a part of Buffalo's future that they didn't 
really want to move, but you got to give something to get something. So they get a player who's a little bit more ready for prime time now and Brandon Montour. Um, and I think from Anaheim's perspective, this could be a, a precursor to them preparing for the expansion draft. So the Vegas expansion draft, they had so many defense that they were unable to protect them all. And they were forced into a situation that they didn't want to make and trade. It cost them Shea Theodore in the end. Uh, so that was a real loss to their roster. And I think Anaheim's uh, not keen for a repeat on that situation. So this is a, I know they're making a trade where they can get a player uh, of comparable value that will not be eligible for expansion draft in Gooley. This is a player that is not playing this year, so he won't be eligible for the expansion draft. So uh, they protect an asset really well. Um, look for Montour now that he's in Buffalo to be in a top three pairing situation between uh, himself, uh, Rasmus Dahlin and Ristolainen. And then whenever he's healthy, Zach Bogosian, which is not very often. He's a little bit Chris Letang like that. Um, so I really like this trade for Buffalo. I thought it was a great deal. Um, it does hurt some of the prospects that they have in their system. Guys like Lawrence Pilot, who has been sensational for them in the AHL, and he's ready to play in the NHL. He's a player that whose horn I've been tooting on on my podcast a lot lately, encouraging people to pick him up. His fan tracks ownership has increased since he got a recall. Um, but I think this is a player that is an NHL player. Hopefully he finds a role next season if the Buffalo's got some expiring contracts or whatnot. Um, now to your question, do I think is Montour someone who I would target right away? I'd certainly put him on my watch list wait and see what situation shakes out for him in, in Buffalo. Uh, I think he has the ability to be fantasy relevant for sure. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Like he's a guy that like, like he had hype for a reason and it just is a matter of the opportunity probably and also probably up to him playing well. Are you sure you don't want to take credit? Maybe Lawrence Pilot, his uh, percent ownership went up because you talked about him on Dobber Prospects Radio. Maybe it's not because of him getting called up. <laughs> I don't think I have that many listeners. <laughs> well i mean i don't know it's a good po- it's a good podcast i listened to i started the episode with steve laidlaw i was really enjoying it. it's a long one you really went deep into every single team I, I guess it's uh you talked about like potential trade deadline moves so i don't know how evergreen that episode is but i, I was enjoying it i was just listening to it yesterday and some of the trades had already been made uh, check it out everyone at dpr show I, I don't know the link i'll let you say the links at the end uh okay so let's go to another team here so detroit trades gustav nyquist to the sharks for a couple of picks another pending ufa that's how it goes at trade deadline day so the sharks another team that you know nashville and columbus like it's almost like an arms race everyone has to give up their picks to get these guys to help them go on a run and nyquist is having such an amazing season he's got 49 points in 62 games it's a 65 point pace huge jump from his 40 points last season and you got to imagine that has a lot to do with him having been playing with the surging dylan larkin who's showing himself to be a superstar himself like him and zabanajad i feel like the two guys have really taken a step forward and shown that they're superstars so nyquist got the opportunity to play with larkin and definitely did well with it not to say he's not a great player and now we'll see how he does with probably some good line mates in san jose like the lines they've been rolling lately on the sharks have been couture with timo meyer and pavelski Hurdle, Kane, and Donskoy, and then LeBanc with Thornton and a guy, Lucas Radil, at least uh, in the last game. I kind of see that uh, Eunice Donskoy spot like primed for the taking, right? They get Gustav Nyquist. Hurdle and Kane have been doing so well lately. Why not get Nyquist and then make that line even better? Like, this is a very tasty looking top nine now in San Jose because then they, maybe they could play. And again, I'm, I'm sort of speculating here. They could play Thornton with LeBanc and Donskoy in the third line. That's a pretty decent third line, I would say. Plus, hey, Maybe there's even a spot for Gustav Nyquist on the top power play. Like Kevin LeBanc has been on the top power play. I don't know. Maybe Nyquist could go there instead. So I like the situation for Nyquist. 
Uh, I'm curious to know, like, what do you think about him? And do you think his value goes up or down? I kind of feel like his value probably stays the same. It's hard to imagine it goes up since he's already on a 65-point pace. He's probably owned in a lot of leagues. But if he was available, I would definitely give him a shot. Yeah, I think the main reason why he's having such a great year this year is it's a contract year for him. That's not an unusual phenomenon for players to have uh, increased production in their contract year. Uh, he should slot in on a second line in San Jose. But then again, they have so much depth. Uh, they have a ton, a ton of options. I mean, you've got Pavelski, uh, Donskoy, LeBanc, Kane, Hurdle. Just the list goes on with all the good players that they have. So you might not crack a top six. You might have set lines that have good chemistry and you might have difficulty finding a home for him. But injuries are a thing. Um, so we'll see. Uh, he's going from a team that was pretty low overall in, in NHL scoring to the team that's second overall. San Jose's got 228 goals so far this season versus Detroit's 175. So he's certainly not going to hurt San Jose's ability to score. And he's, he could you know, be the beneficiary of some peripheral points. Um, he's got more options of guys who can cash, better options to pass to. So we'll see what he can do. Um, and it leaves Detroit. And that leaves their core, Larkin, Mantha, Athanasiu, and, Bertu- and Bertuzzi. Uh, so we'll see uh, if Detroit can can now go all in for Quinn. I think yeah. that's what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, I guess Colorado's maybe the front runner getting that Ottawa pick. But I feel like Detroit definitely should be considered a contender. And hey, at least for the short term, I like this for Anthony Mantha. If you want to say one player that maybe benefits, because Mantha sometimes was playing with Larkin. Sometimes he was on the second line and Nyquist was playing with Larkin. Got to imagine now. Mantha, Larkin, Bertuzzi, top line. Good for all of those guys. At this point, I'm ready to say if you're playing with Dylan Larkin, good things are going to happen for you. Mantha's actually already on a huge roll. He had four assists versus Chicago on Wednesday, a goal versus Minnesota on Friday, an assist yesterday versus San Jose. So he was probably already like a guy that I would have suggested streaming into your fantasy team if he was available. Now I'd say even more appealing to me and like you say another guy though on detroit that we should probably talk about philip zadina this is this is the reason why we get a prospect expert on the show to discuss the call-up of philip zadina though i guess he didn't have a very exciting first game on detroit he played only 10 minutes and 38 seconds played on the fourth line no points one shot you think he's going to do anything with the big club this year and if not like i'm just curious to know in general like how high are you on zadina in a keeper league in a dynasty league like you know there's other guys in his draft class who've been playing all season like svechnikov brady kachuk Kakniemi, do you f- see? Do you feel like Zadina is like in the same class as these guys, potentially higher, lower? Yeah, absolutely. He's he's right in the same category as those guys. Uh, Detroit takes their time with prospects; they don't rush them. They don't want to. They don't want to waste them. And I think what they're doing with Zadina is smart, giving some time to play in the AHL. This is absolutely nothing wrong with that. It never hurt anybody. I think again, this is uh, expansion strategy i'd be very very surprised if zidina played more than nine games this season and burned a year of his elc and made this his first year um then detroit would have to protect him so uh, expect him to play a couple games in the nhl give him a taste uh their ahl affiliate grand rapids is having a great season so he'll go back down there and have a long playoff run with them hopefully and just to help further develop him and he should be a full-time NHL player to start the season next year. Uh, one of the things he said at the NHL draft that I really loved was they asked, because he dropped it a little bit and on, on draft day. He was passed by a couple of players that I didn't think he should have been passed by, and apparently he <laughs> felt the same way. 
And they asked him about, you know, not being picked by Montreal or Ottawa. And he's like, well, now I'm in their division. I'm looking forward to filling their nets with goals. And that's the kind of player he is. And that translates real, real well to fantasy hockey. So if you own him in one of your uh, dynasty leagues, just don't worry that he didn't make the NHL as an 18-year-old. Most players don't. Um, he'll, He'll be just fine when he shows up next year. Cool. Yeah. So definitely a guy to have on your radar. I'm sure he is on everyone's radar. So who's in a dynasty league for this year? It makes sense. Why play him more than nine games and burn a year off that contract? It's not like Detroit is trying to win games here. They're trying to lose for Hughes and they'll do their best to do so. By the way, I didn't mention this on San Jose because it just hurts me too much. Eric Carlson is injured again, aggravated that groin injury, uh, but I don't want to talk about it. So whatever. Hopefully he'll be back soon. Get well soon, Eric Carlson. Okay, let's go to got so many trades. What an exciting trade deadline day! It's so fun, and I still I had all these notes before the trade deadline of players I want to talk about. I got some injuries and outjuries and hot streaks, cold streaks. So okay, it's nine oh six. We still got time, so I'm, I'm feeling relaxed right now. You're doing amazing, Peter. Thanks again for coming on the show and filling in on this busy day. Uh, so the Rangers sent Kevin Hayes to the Jets for Brendan Lemieux. Uh, they also the Jets also spent a first round pick in 2019 and a conditional draft pick. So. I guess a pretty big price to get Kevin Hayes. It's kind of a redux of last year, right? Where last year at the deadline, they got Paul Stasny to come in and bump Brian Little from the second line center spot. So of course, the obvious implication, if you were holding Brian Little because you liked him playing with the you know decent players on the Jets second line, forget about him because obviously the Jets have brought in Kevin Hayes to center that second line. And why not? Like Hayes is having a career year, 42 points in 51 games. It's a 68 point pace. He'll jump now to the second line to center, I guess, some combo of Line A, Ehlers, and Kyle Connor. Uh, so definitely an upgrade over the guys he's been playing with on the Rangers. He's been playing with VC, Buchnevich, and Fast, like some combination of those guys. So, you know, at the same time, though, Kevin Hayes was getting top power play time on the Rangers, and I don't think he'll be able to bump anyone on Winnipeg. But I guess we'll have to wait and see. My gut says that Kevin Hayes' fantasy value stays around the same, but it is worth noting, like, Paul Stasny went to the Jets last year, and I feel like we all remember this as being this, like, amazing thing, and he, like, his value surged. And then he had 13 points in 19 games. So it's like a 56-point pace. It's not as if Paul Stasny, like, exploded centering the second line on Winnipeg, and I believe he was on the top power play. So I feel like Kevin Hayes may be similar I don't know. What's your general take on Kevin Hayes going to the Jets in terms of his fantasy value? Uh, yeah, so I like Kevin Hayes. Um, the thing with when, when players go to teams like San Jose and, and Winnipeg that, that have so much depth, it's really difficult for their production to to surge or spike. And it, maybe even in some cases maintain status quo because they just have so much depth and they spread the ice time around so much. Uh, so I think that could be a situation with Kevin Hayes. I mean, I like his situation in Winnipeg. He's going to be the second line center. That has a really nice trickle down effect on their center ice depth, knocking little down where he belongs in the three C center position. And uh, you know, so Kevin Hayes's winger options, like you said, are <laughs> take your pick: Kyle Connor, Nick Ehlers, Blake Wheeler, Patrick Laine, Jack Roslevic. It's all good. No, no, no bad choices there. It doesn't matter if he's on the first or the second line or if they move guys up or down. It, you know, it's going to be good no matter what it is. And he's got great size, so he's someone who could play on the power play and, and park himself in front of the net. He's got a really nice long uh, reach with his stick, so you know, good opportunity to bang in rebounds and screen the goalie because he's a big guy. He doesn't play very physically because he's such a big guy, but he'll fit in real well with Winnipeg, I think. Because Winnipeg can play you any way you want. They're yeah. skilled, they're fast, they're big, and you know, Kevin Hayes can... He can mend to any of those situations that the game or the team requires. So he'll be, I think he'll be a really nice fit. Um, we'll see how he does. And then I think he's a UFA after the season. So we'll see where he goes after that. 
Yeah, maybe he'll go to Vegas also. Follow Paul Stastny, though. I guess there's not really room for Kevin Hayes there anymore. Uh, but yeah, Winnipeg, I guess they're gearing up for their round two matchup against Nashville, just like they had last year. Uh, it, that's what we would probably expect to happen, though. There are some interesting teams surging uh, lower down in the standings. But with the Jets, they've actually been kind of struggling a bit lately. Uh, they got Nikolai Ehlers back uh, from his upper body injury on Friday. Uh, he hadn't played since January 4th. He scored two goals, or sorry, he scored one goal on two shots in his return versus Vegas. No points and no shots, though, yesterday in the loss to Arizona, which, by the way, they lost Arizona. Maybe that was the final straw. It's like, okay, we got to make a change here. Let's get Kevin Hayes trying to shake things up. Uh, interestingly, Ehlers didn't get his line one spot back. Like, if you recall, before Ehlers got injured, he was playing with Wheeler and Shifley, and Kyle Connor was playing on line two with Line A and Brian Little. Uh, so Ehlers didn't get on line one. And actually, Kyle Connor also wasn't on line one. Both of them went to the second line, and Patrick Line finally got that spot with Shifley and Wheeler I'm sure all of his owners were waiting for and you know what he got it and he like produced finally we've been waiting so long it's now three goals in his last two games for Patrick Line ever since he got onto that top line so I'm sure the owners are just hoping that he'll stay there what do you think about Patrick Line at this point? Like he w- had so much hype going into the year for for good reason, right? Last year he did so well in limited ice time. Brian and I thought like he'll probably just get more ice time as he ages and matures, and he'll do even better. Maybe threaten for like fifty goals. Like clearly hasn't happened. Aside from there was like that one stretch, that one week where he scored like thirteen goals or whatever it was, including five in one game. Aside from that, he was so cold for so long, but now he seems to be heating up again in a great spot on the top line and power play with Wheeler and Shifley. And like then on the other hand, we got Kyle Connor, who was bumped from the top line. We've got Ehlers coming back to play on the second line. So I'd even be curious to get your ranking of these guys, like Liney, Ehlers, and Kyle Connor, and then both for like this season and for keeper context. What would be your ranking at this point of those three? Wow, there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> um, so the between the the top three, Liney, Ehlers, and uh, Kyle and Connor. Connor. Sorry, Brian just knows that I throw a ton of questions at him, and then he just like answers the one he wants and just like ignores the rest. You can feel free to do that. <laughs> uh, I think so. Long term, it's got to be Patrick Liney, right? Like he, he, the guy's got fifty goal upside, like you guys said. Uh, I'm a little bit disappointed that it didn't happen this season. And not only did it not happen, there's been times where it's been not even close. But I mean, he's still so young; he's like twenty years old. So uh, the, he's got lots of time to figure it out. When you can shoot like he does. Um, you know, you just got to weather the storm and bear with when he goes through these little slumpy droughts that he's been going through. He's a very, very streaky player. Most goal scorers are streaky that way. They, you know, they'll have a rash where they score a whole bunch in, in a week or two, and then that's it for their monthly quota. And then they'll come back next month. But the problem with mm-hmm. line A is his streaks are like epically long for the cold streaks. And so it's really hard to to endure those when, when he has them. Uh, I'm not surprised either is being eased back into his current roster spot. Uh, you know, not drowning him in minutes after he comes back from an injury, just kind of ease him in, let him get back up to game speed for uh, a few games. Uh, they got plenty of options. Um, it, the interesting comparison with line a that his production really kind of fell off the map when Bufflin had his injury and Bufflin's back out again. So hopefully, you know, line has been kind of scoring a little bit lately. So hopefully the Bufflin injury doesn't affect their power play again, the way it did last time. And really just, eliminate all of line a's power play goals and i think that had a bit of a steam like a snowball effect on his on his confidence you know hopefully the kid can figure it out and maintain his confidence even when he's not scoring i've noticed that he's been being a little bit more effective without the puck this season so that's something that he's clearly been focusing on and and working on so uh you know maybe he he can just kind of make that part of his game innate and then kind of put more attention and focus on getting the puck on the net uh that'll be good for all his fantasy owners 
Yeah, it makes sense. Okay, so obviously I agree with you. Got to go with Patrick Line. In the end, like if you're playing with Wheeler and Shifley, I feel like that's your best chance to get points. And if Line is there, that's the best spot for him. And so I would definitely take him right now. And we actually had one patron. I'm really sorry, Connie. She dropped him and then he started to heat up. So I don't know if like that was the cause of that happening, but someone got really lucky picking up Line in free agency in that league. And so, yeah, if you were able to get, obviously he would only be dropped in like a one year league. In Keeper League, you want to hold on to Patrick Line to be who's so cold for so long. And yeah, I guess I'd be worried about. Ehlers and Connor just because if they're on the second line it's not as good uh but like you said like Kevin Hayes coming in that should help so we'll have to see how everything shakes out probably all these guys are still worth owning in your fantasy leagues and we'll see how they all do for the rest of the season really hard to make a prediction and like rank them uh next let's go to oh yeah you mentioned that Bufflin is hurt again also I saw Josh Morrissey's hurt so not a great time for the Jets blue line uh, Jacob Trouba has been getting the top power play time so there you go. That's the obvious advice there. If you could somehow get Jacob Truba on your roster right now, while all these other guys are injured to play on the top power play with all these guys we've been talking about, go and grab them. Uh, let's do one more trade and then we can get to the injuries and outdoors and all that stuff. Uh, Derek Brassard went to the avalanche. This is probably not a very high impact trade. Brassard used to be a guy that we cared about in fantasy. We'd get be a solid, like 55 point guy back when he was on the Rangers. He was traded for a third round pick. Uh, the thing is like Colorado isn't a super deep team. So I feel like Derek Brassard probably becomes the second line center, right? Maybe he plays on a line with Landis Gog and Tyson Jones. Like it's been Landis Gog with McKinnon and Ranson for most of the season, but lately, uh, Carolina has been shifting things around and actually Alex Kerfoot was playing on the top line with, uh, McKinnon and Ranton in on Saturday versus Nashville. He actually had a goal and two assists and Colorado's actually playing today. So a lot of people listening to this will know about the result. The game hasn't started yet. It's just barely started while we're recording. Uh, so I'm just rambling. I don't know. Derek Broussard, if he plays on a line with Landis Gog, I feel like he could be decent, but he was also like you know, sometimes getting good line mates in Florida for a short time there. So I feel like he's the kind of guy that maybe you could stream in for a game or two, but it's hard for me to expect him to do very well. And if anything, I'd be curious to get your thoughts on someone like Kerfoot playing with McKinnon and Ranson. Is he someone that has any prospect upside? Is he a guy that's ever been on your radar? Yeah, so let's start with Broussard. This is his third team this year, fourth in two years, and fifth in four years. So I think there's something to that. Uh, not necessarily someone who I'd recommend. Now, that being said, there is an opportunity for second-line center in Colorado behind Nate McKinnon. I mean, who are their options there? you got Soderberg, Kerfoot, maybe Jost. I feel like they've experimented with a bunch of different guys and not really had any success beyond that first line that they have. Uh, and that's why they're struggling this year. They're not having any reliable consistency support. Uh, so if Bizarre can be that guy, then all of a sudden he has a uh, pretty good value, I think. But I just, I don't have confidence that he can be that guy. Maybe this is just the right situation for him. Uh, maybe he finds chemistry there and they re-sign him and it turns out to be a, a win-win for both Colorado and Broussard. But I'll believe that when I see it. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, as far as uh, as far as Kerfoot goes, yeah, he's 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 a relevant player. He's a prospect who I think has a lot of upside. He's young. He's a little bit small, but he's got good speed and good hands. Um, the the one player I think I'm really still waiting for him to emerge is Tyson Jost. I own him in my fantasy league. I watched him play with Team Canada at some uh, junior tournaments and really really liked his game. Um, hasn't been able to translate to the level of success that I thought he would have in the NHL so far. I mean, he's had a couple of assignments in the AHL this season, even recently. Um, and he, he's endured some pretty unproductive stretches in the NHL. So he's one player that I'm still holding out faith and hope that uh, he can put it all together at the NHL level soon and turn into the player that I thought he could be. 
Okay, so long-term Tyson Jost, but maybe for now. I mean, I feel like if we were excited about Danton Heinen playing with Marshan and Bergeron last week, we should be excited about uh, Alex Kerfoot playing on the top line with McKinnon and Ranson for however long it lasts. And that it could be one game, right? Colorado could definitely shift that, put Landis Gog right back there. Maybe they'll try Landis Gog with Broussard. So that's a line situation that I would be monitoring. And then if I'm trying to do a daily stream, like Colorado has a def- decent schedule this week. There After today, they play Wednesday, Friday, Sunday. So you could get him on some off days. And yeah, just watch the line call combination announcements on Twitter and see if you can maybe grab someone getting great exposure to like all stars in McKinnon and Ranson. Uh, so actually I can't believe I didn't ask you this, Peter. So are you in, how many fantasy leagues are you in? Like, I'd be curious to know what, like, obviously I'd imagine you're in a very deep dynasty league where you're holding guys like Tyson Jost. Uh, are you in just the one league? Can you maybe describe it really quick. I'm sure people would be curious to know what kind of fantasy you're playing. Yeah, sure. Uh, I've been in multiple leagues, uh, for the most part, but right now I'm only in, in the one it's the DPFHL. It's a Dauber Prospects League that I started when I was managing enter there. And uh, it consists of almost entirely people who are writing for Dauber Prospects. So it's a league that tries to mirror being an NHL GM as much as possible. So you have a full 22-man NHL roster with, you know, three left wing, center, right wing, and, and variable four positions, 60, and a goalie and a bench of like four or five players. And then you have a full 25-man prospect bench um so you can have anybody who's had their nhl rights drafted or signed at any point uh so you could have alexander koklachev on your roster and your prospect bench if you want um oh, yeah yeah so all it, about koklachev yeah <laughs> Wait, you know, he played in the nhl with boston for a, a while a few years ago he's been exiled to the khl for a few seasons now though he's doing pretty good over there though so he might come back uh, anyways, it's a super deep league. And what's really, really fascinating about it, and my favorite part is it's a salary cap league, of course, but you can't just drop players. So if you own Dion Phaneuf, and unfortunately I do, you can't just release him off your roster. You have to buy him out and then carry that cap hit on your roster or whatever cap friendly says his cap hit would be. So um, you have to make some really, really careful decisions about acquiring players that have term and contract, and it has a profound impact on player values. Interesting. So what if you have a player that you just like picked up out of free agency or whatever, and then all of a sudden they sign like a terrible contract? Do you have the opportunity to like back out? Like you didn't pick them up with that contract. Doesn't seem fair. Yeah. So there's there's some abilities to to drop players if they are minors eligible, in which case if they're a skater and they've played 160 games or less, you can just drop them at any time. Um, But once they play that 161st game, you're married to them as long as their contract lasts. Or if you own a player and they sign a new contract, those are always done in the offseason, right? They they kick in on July 1st. Mm. So you have until I think it's the end of August to uh to commit to that player or drop them so there's like a there's a drop dead date that's some, somewhere in august or september and so you can drop them for free if you don't want to have them anymore as a free agent and he goes back into the pool and on waivers okay um, but if you, you miss that totally if you miss that deadline though that contract is locked right interesting okay well i'd love to ask more questions about your league but uh, i am looking at this doc okay so let's get back and maybe at the end of the episode we could we could touch back in uh so let's do some injuries and outjuries and stuff like that uh, what a big change for the goalie situation over in Philly over the last week. Like the landscape is like, feels like it's totally changed right now. Like Carter Hart was cruising, just getting winning games, like game after game doing so well, looking like all of a sudden, like a top 10 goalie to own in fantasy for the rest of the season. Like Philly was rolling. Then he ran into Tampa on Tuesday. He let him three goals on nine shots and got pulled halfway through the first. So, okay, whatever. Like it's tough. Like Tampa's a tough team. 
you know, Carter Hart, he is human after all. Like even Jordan Binnington had a bad game, I believe, against Dallas last week. So it happens. Uh, and actually, it was interesting. Uh, Brian Elliott, who recently uh, returned, that was actually his first game that he played. So he came in and he actually played pretty well against Tampa for the rest of the game. He's up 22 of 23 shots. That was his first action since November 15th. Uh, anyways, like I said, no big deal. Carter Hart got the net again versus Montreal on Thursday. And happened again. <laughs> Three goals on nine shots. And he gets pulled halfway through the first period. And then Brian Elliott comes in. And once again, plays well. Stopped 29 of 31 shots in relief. Uh, Then news comes out that now Carter Hart is injured, apparently. is a lower body injury. He's going to miss a minimum of 10 games. So now not only is he, I guess, quote-unquote slumping. He's had two bad games. Now he's injured. Meanwhile, Brian Elliott gets the start on Saturday versus Pittsburgh. And he was, like, pretty great once again. He stopped 40 of 43 shots in a 4-3 win over the Penguins. So uh, now what? Like, obviously, I know you're going to say long-term I'd imagine you're going to say Carter Hart is like a great prospect to own and he's going to be the starting goalie on Philly for years to come. But like for this year, I wonder, like is, is Brian Elliott all of a sudden a must add? And also to complicate things, Philly just traded for Cam Talbot. <laughs> so like, I wonder, like if Carter Hart stays injured, would Talbot and Elliott like compete for starts or is Elliott the sure starter? Once Carter Hart is back, like what are they going to do? I'm just curious to get your sense of like, what would you do right now as an owner of any of these goalies in, in Philly right now? So I do own Carter Hart, so that's kind of great, uh, and I've been loving that. I didn't think he'd be playing very much this year at all. I was counting on him not, but I've been pleasantly surprised. Uh, he's the man in Philadelphia, so I think as long as he's healthy, which currently he's not, uh, and as long as Philadelphia has realistic aspirations of, of chasing for a playoff spot, and they will continue to try, I think, as long as they're within striking range, Carter Hart will be the go-to as long as he's healthy. I mean, Brian Elliott... He's had multiple chances to to be the starting goalie on on a couple teams, and it's just not really worked out for him. Uh, he does great when he comes in in spot duty like this. He's being pushed really hard, but then when when he wins the job, he kind of poops the bed. Um, and Cam Talbot, I don't have as much of a file on Cam Talbot as I do with Brian Elliott and Carter Hart. But uh, I mean, his, his expiring contract. He's not part of the Philadelphia Flyers' long term plan. So if Philadelphia Flyers fall out of the playoff picture and Lehigh Valley are in a playoff picture, don't be surprised if Carter Hart goes back down to the minors to play for Lehigh Valley and have a playoff run with them. Um, they want to maintain his uh, minors eligibility. So I read on fan tracks that they sent him down to the AHL, like a paper transaction, just so he could maintain his mm. uh, AHL status and, and eligibility. I'm not sure how that works, but um yeah, so long-term and short-term, Carter Hart, all in on Carter Hart. Interesting, though it does make sense. Like, what you say, though, short-term, if Philly does fall out of this playoff picture, then yeah, it does make sense for them to just send him down. But right now, they're still somewhat in the hunt. Actually, here, I'll, I'll start bringing up the standings, and then I could reference it a little bit later. Carter Hart to, to multitask there. Uh, Brian Elliott, it's, it's a good point. Like, he goes on good runs. He was actually on a good run before he got injured. So if he's available in free agency in my league right now and I need a goalie, I'm grabbing Brian Elliott. I feel like roll him until he blows it. And then maybe you could go to your next option, especially with Carter Hart injured. But yeah, once Hart is healthy, you'd imagine they'd want to give him another shot, especially if they're trying to win games now. 
Uh, and since we're on Philly, I'd love to get your thoughts on a couple of guys, younger guys. So this is your bread and butter. First of all, Oscar Lindblom has been doing really well lately. He's on the second line lately with Voracek and Couturier. So a really nice spot for him. And he's on a run of five points in his last five games. Is it time for us to all start seriously considering Oscar Lindblom as someone we should be getting onto our fantasy rosters if he's still available? Like he's been in free agency in a lot of my leagues for most of the season. Right now, I feel like it's time to make the decision because maybe he's going to be this year's Travis Konechny of someone who wasn't doing very much at the start of the year, but then really heats up at the end. Uh, I would say, yeah, his fan tracks ownership is is 24%. So it's pretty low. Should be widely available in a lot of your leagues. I think he's worth adding. Um, he was a late uh, pick by the Flyers. He's a fifth round pick in 2014. But since then, he's been on the rise. Nice and steady uh, progression in his game. Uh, he had some pretty solid seasons playing pro in the SHL. He was an AHL rookie last year as a 22-year-old. And he had a really great first season in North America. And he's, you know, he's playing really well in his first season in the NHL with Philadelphia Flyers this year. And then the Flyers clearing out uh, Wayne Simmons opens up a top six roster spot for sure. Um, I think he's, he should be a lock for a regular roster position with Philadelphia Flyers. So yeah, I think he's fantasy relevant, worth owning. All right, so there's another player for those of you wondering uh, about free agents to add after the trade deadline. Sometimes it doesn't have to be someone involved in a trade or maybe directly affected. Though you say like Simmons leaving, that obviously helps him hold that spot on line two with Voracek and Couturier. So yeah, go ahead and grab Oscar Lindblom if you need some production. He's streaking right now. Another guy actually I'm interested in on Philly is Travis Sanheim. Uh, we talked about him last week. Uh, we said I was saying that I kind of liked him because he's been playing on the top playing with pairing with Provorov. And last week, hey, two assists in three games. Can't ask for more than that from a free agent defenseman ad late in the season. Actually, he's now up to six assists in eight games for Travis Sanheim. Is he someone on your radar at all in a dynasty league? I, I got to imagine that top pairing defensemen are somewhat hard to come by, but I don't know like what his offensive credentials are really going to be. Yeah, so he's a player that has a, a pretty good pedigree. He's a, a, a high draft pick. He had a great junior career. He's playing okay in the AHL. He's getting a chance uh, in the NHL now and not disappointing. So, I mean, he's progressed as expected. Nice steady rate. And uh, like you pointed out, he's producing that he's in the NHL. The challenge is the competition that he has in Philadelphia. So he's playing with Provorov. If he can hold on to a roster spot with Provorov, you're laughing. That's just golden. He's going to be money in the bank if he can. But he's got to compete with uh, Ghost and Gudas and Hag. Philip Myers is on the come as well. He's another prospect that's playing in, in the AHL that he's NHL ready. He just needs to carve out a role in Philadelphia. Uh, Samuel Morin is another player that they have that has for a while now been competing and fighting and trying to get into the NHL. It doesn't have a lot of fantasy upside, unfortunately, unless it's a bangers and mash. And then, of course, Philadelphia would love to purge himself of McDonald's contract. Um, if they can do that, then hard yes on Sandheim. Uh, if they can't, then something else is going to have to give. And it might be someone else that makes way for Sandheim. Uh, and I wouldn't be surprised if that were the case. He's He's that good. Oh, so that's interesting. Yeah, and Ghost Bear's been getting, like, low minutes lately. Like, it does seem like Philly wants to have some other options, at least at even strength. And by the way, you said Philip Myers. Is he related to Tyler Myers? He's not. Not that I know of. Yeah. And Sanheim's not a one-dimensional player, right? Like, Ghost is offense. If he's not scoring, what's he doing for you? He's very small and, you know, not the not the as good a defender as, as Sanheim. 
Right, yeah. So it makes sense. That that's why Sandheim's been pretty decent because he also helps you with the peripherals, even if he's not getting you points. Uh so this Saturday game versus Philly that we were talking about, where Brian Elliott got that win stopping 40, 43 shots, that was not a great game for Pittsburgh because not only did they lose that game on Saturday, not only did like Matt Murray kind of blow it in the third period and maybe make people a little worried that like is this guy gonna be reliable for us? Uh they also sustained a couple of injuries, unfortunately. Brian Dumoulin was rocked hard by Wayne Simmons along the boards that caused a scrum and it looked like Gosses Beher took down Chris Letang and now both Dumoulin and Chris Letang are day to day and you mentioned before talking about someone else how like maybe he's got a bit of Letang in him which of course means he's not going to stay healthy and that's really frustrating for Chris Letang owners he's been having such a great year like last year he stayed healthy he didn't have the most amazing offensive season but crystal tank stayed healthy so it's like okay all we need now is to put it all together and he's been doing it like 53 points in 60 games seems like a norris caliber season Hopefully he's not a long-term. Apparently he's just day-to-day, but with Crystal Tang, we've seen in the past him go day-to-day and stay day-to-day for many, many, many days, days upon days. So we'll have to wait and see. In the meantime, the Pens were actually already playing with their power plays. I saw that Justin Schultz was playing on a Crosby power play recently, but regardless now, if he's available, go and grab Justin Schultz out of free agency. I'd imagine while Crystal Tang is injured, you want to get the guy playing on the power play with Crosby and Malkin. Peter is nodding here. So yeah, it's not even like a question worth asking. I don't, I can't think who else even is there on Pittsburgh. Like back in the day, we would talk about Oli Mata as someone who could maybe do well on the power play. I know they picked up good Branson, right? <laughs> At the trade deadline. But I don't know. Like, is there any like future for the Pittsburgh power play when Latang isn't there aside from Justin Schultz? No, it's pretty slim. They did pick up Eric Goodbranson, um, but he's not someone who you want to play on your on your power play. He's not the, the answer for that. Another player that they picked up today that kind of flew into the radar that I didn't notice right away was Chris Weidman. Uh, he's played for a couple different teams. He's definitely got some offensive upside, but they assigned him to the AHL. So uh, tap the brakes on, on jumping and adding him as a free agent if you were thinking about it. Um, but he was the AHL defenseman of the year when he played for the Sens in, I think they were in Binghamton at that point. And he had like a 26 goal season or whatever it was. It was pretty impressive. And he's had a, a couple seasons in the NHL. So he's someone that maybe they turn to, but he's, you know, he's not a, a young prospect anymore. Um, yeah. That's the problem with Pittsburgh is they've been all in for so many years now and traded away quite a few draft picks and prospects that the cupboard is, is pretty thin and pretty soon they're going to have to uh, pay the bill on that. Yeah, so that's a bummer. Like, you would have thought they could make another run this year. I think they still can. Like, they obviously still have that great offense at the top. Like, they have Gensel and Crosby and Malkin. I don't know why I listed Gensel first in that list. But you know what I'm saying. Uh, Patrick Hornfist actually, back in the top six. I know we were saying, Brian and I were saying in the last episode, like, forget about Hornfist. He's been in the bottom six forever, not getting any points. He, as soon as we say it, of course, he gets back on a line with Crosby and Gensel. He picked up an assist on Saturday to end the, his 14-game pointless drought. So, there you go. Get back on the Hornfist train if you can, if he was dropped in free agency. If he can hold the spot. Like, who knows if he holds the spot with Crosby? and yeah as far as Chris Letang you just got to cross your fingers I'm bummed about that actually I traded for Chris Letang you know I finally thought to myself all right I guess he's proven himself that he could stay healthy and uh look at me I'm the idiot because now he's injured and I traded like a good piece to get him for a playoff run uh, another injury in Toronto Nazem Kadri has a concussion no current timeline to return so I'll just cut to the chase say it appears that this opens up the door for Andreas Janssen to pretty much be a must add like he's taking Kadri's spot 
on the top power play with Marner, Matthews, Tavares, and Riley. So such a great spot. That was like before today. I can actually check in real time here. Toronto looks like they're going to win the game. They're up 5-3 versus Buffalo. And on looking at ESPN here, you can see the amount of power play time each player has played. And yeah, Andreas Janssen. Yeah, seems like he's getting the top power play time. So there you go. Gotta love him. Like a long term, Andreas Janssen's looking really good, right? Really young player. He's also playing at even strength with Austin Matthews, I should say, and Kasperi Kapanen. So I'd imagine you'll agree with me that Andreas Janssen is someone people should be rushing to grab to their rosters, especially while Kadri's injured, but also long term. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Andreas Janssen's an NHL player, and, and he's here to stay. He's he's the real deal. Uh, he's a player that uh, prospect I got turned on to Scott Wheeler actually has been tooting this guy's horn for years. He played in the SHL for, for a while and came over a couple of seasons ago and has paid his dues in the AHL, worked his way up, won a Calder cup with Toronto was the MVP of that tournament for them. And was just uh, ahead above everyone else and made it to the NHL full-time this year. And he's just been steadily progressing for a number of years now uh, with no, no real limit in sight for how far he can carry his momentum that he's currently riding right now. So I'm a really big fan of him. He's only 48% fan tracks owned. So, you know, pitter patter, go sign him in as a free agent, uh, playing for Toronto, their fourth overall and scoring in the NHL. So, you know, he's got lots of options for players to pass to and players to get passes from. And uh, yeah, like you said, he's playing top line power play. He's in a contract year. Rather or not, Toronto will be able to sign him remains to be seen. Uh, him and Kapanen are players that are getting some conversation about uh, will they get offer sheeted? You know, you can offer sheet Mitch Marner, but of course Toronto will sign him and then figure it out. Um, but a team could make an offer sheet to players like Janssen or Kapanen and not have to give up four first round picks in the compensation for it. And it really puts Toronto in a hard spot because it might be more than a little bit more than market value, which is probably a lot more than what Toronto would be able to fit in their cap and still keep Marner. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him next season, but um, hopefully he stays in Toronto because he's in a good situation there. Yeah, for sure. Like that is very interesting. We haven't seen an offer sheet for quite a long time, but it does make sense. Toronto is so close to that cap. So why not really press them and take a run at a couple of these guys? And yeah, Andreas Johnson, if he's available in your league, like just add him. Like what else could you want? Playing with Matthews and even strengthen on the power play. Uh, what is it? 11 points his last nine games going into today. Looks like he had another assist today. So yeah, I mean, come on. Get Andres Janssen on your team, for sure. I'd rather have him over William Nylander at this point, actually. Is that a hot take to be like, if you have Nylander and Janssen's available for agency to swap? Oh, Nylander's been playing on line three with Marlowe. Like, Kadri's injured. He doesn't even have a good center to play with. That is kind of a hot take. Um, if it's, you know, DFS or a one-year league, you're hard to argue that, man. I mean, the guy's just putting up a lot of points right now, and Nylander has really struggled this season since signing that contract. You know, if you're looking long-term, if it's dynasty league, I would still take Nylander over Andreas Janssen, but uh, you know, that, that gap's getting a little bit closer every game. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Maybe long-term that's, I, I don't make that take, but for this year, I would make that swap. Uh, okay. Uh, let's do one more injury. Uh, Braden Shen is on the IR in St. Louis and a big beneficiary has been Jaden Schwartz. Who's taken Shen's spot at even strength and on the power play playing with Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly. And that is a great spot to be because Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly have been really hot overall. It's been a disappointing season for Jaden Schwartz. Like he was looking like such a great, I guess, prospect and then coming into like a nice underrated player. Like last year, 59 points in 62 games. He's had trouble staying healthy, but he was always getting you points when he was able to play. But this year, he's 
played a decent number of games. He's also missed a lot of time with injury, but he only has 28 points in 49 games. So uh, definitely not the like 70 plus point pace that he was putting up last year. But hey, now he has seven points in his last nine games. Like I say, he's on the top line in power play, playing with Tarasenko and Ryan O'Reilly. Do you have like, so in general, yeah, I think it's obvious like grab Jaden Schwartz for now if you can, if he's available for agency, he's a somewhat shallow league where he's available. But like, what are your thoughts in general on Schwartz? Do you think he still has the potential to be this like 70 plus point guy? Or do you think maybe the injuries are taking his toll, are taking their toll, and it's going to be hard for him to ever reach that potential that maybe he once had? Yeah, it's tough to say. I'm not really sure what his injuries are. Um, but he's had a number of them, to your point, and that's really derailed his momentum. And every time he gets some momentum, he starts putting up uh, a really nice run. Um, bam, there's another injury. So it's really stunted his development at the NHL. So hopefully he can put together a nice long full season next year where he's healthy and, you know, stay healthy for the rest of this season, have a good off season of training and really hit the ground running next year and get that momentum going back in his direction. If all of that can happen. Uh, yeah. I think you could start seeing him getting into that, you know, 30 goal, 60 point forecast range that, you know, people are hoping that he would do this season. Um, I think that's well within the realm of possibilities. St. Louis is a good team. He's surrounded by good players. So I think is this a situation of a player that's just had some bad luck with injuries and uh, hopefully he can overcome it and not be all Robbie Fabri about it. Yeah. Does Fabri still have any value in dynasty leagues? Like, could you get him for free right now in your league? Or is he still someone people are holding on hope for? No, people are still holding on to him. But I mean, the kids missed, what, two years now? Like, that's pretty tough. Um, His value would be pretty low. So at this point, when you got 25 prospects bench spots to use, you just hold on to him and see what happens when he comes back. Right. No point, I guess, like dropping him or trading him because like his, you won't get anything for him right now. And maybe there's something that like a uh, first round pick a few years ago. But yeah, he's had really brutal luck. It makes Jaden Schwartz look like an Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, uh, so Jake Allen has been playing in nets. Uh, not that lately. So, OK, all I want to say, this is like a crazy thing, because for sure, I don't want to advise people to take Jake Allen. But I just will say that he has had two good games in a row. He's up 33 of 35 shots. Uh, in an OT loss to Minnesota. And he also had a shutout versus the Avalanche a couple weeks ago in his previous start. Jordan Binnington has been winning like every game he plays aside from that one rough outing versus Dallas. Uh, so just wanted to throw it out there to make it clear. Like there's no way we think that Jake Allen is going to be challenging Winnington right now for more starts, right? Like no matter well how well he plays, the Blues are not going to Jake Allen, right? No, no. Your uh, Johnson over Nylander hot take was good, but uh, Jake Allen over Jordan Binnington is is hot garbage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. So Jake Allen, it, it, like Brian Elliott, this is a player that's had plenty of opportunity to carry the ball and run with it and just keeps just keeps fumbling it as soon as he gets the, the vote of confidence. Um, he's just not an NHL starting goalie. So he's coming in in spot duty when he's challenged and, you know, like Brian Elliott, He's performing in small doses, and that's what he can do. Um, but Jordan Bennington is the guy that is going to carry the mail for St. Louis. Uh, he's captured lightning in a bottle this year. And his pedigree isn't the same as Carter Hart's, so I'm not saying he's necessarily as reliable as a long-term option. And, you know, so Jordan Bennington, kind of what he's done is, you know, he's recaptured St. Louis' this season. Around Christmas time, the GM was like, this is terrible. We're awful. Everyone's for sale. We're going to blow it up. We're going to trade all our players. I'll trade Tarasenko. I'll trade Chen. I'll trade anybody. I'll trade Colton Pareko. And then they call it Jordan Winnington. Nice. And uh, 
you know, everything changed. Now they're not only a playoff team, they're, I think they're first in their, in their division, which is insane. So he's got them to the ball and and that's, you dance with the girl that you took to the ball. But the problem is, um, you know, if the clock strikes 12 in the first round of the playoffs and he turns back into a pumpkin, St. Louis is screwed. You can't go back to, to Jake Allen or if he gets injured, then they'd be screwed too. So hopefully he can carry it through till June for St. Louis fans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I think they'd be happy with that. Hey, I mean, they're, they're on borrowed time, right? Like you said, like they weren't even supposed to be doing well a couple of months ago. So if he takes them to the playoffs and then he blows it, hey, it's better than how it was looking before. And who knows, though? This St. Louis team is really looking good now. And Braden Shen was really clicking on that top line. So once he's healthy, you know, they look like a pretty... Like going into the season, they look like a deep team. They look like they made smart acquisitions in the summer. They just couldn't get that goaltending from Jake Allen. And then maybe that was trickling to other people struggling or maybe it was unrelated. But either way, this team is looking good. And yeah, Jake Allen, like I would take Brian Elliott over Jake Allen right now if both are available in free agency and you want a goalie uh, for whatever, whatever that's worth. By the way, did you say that Bennington is carrying the mail? Was that, was that what you said? Yeah. I like that. I never heard that saying before. It's carrying the uh, mail. I, I like Winnington. That's, that's, that's even more okay. clever. Mailman Winnington. We could just put them together. <laughs> so that could be, be the name of this episode. I'll tell Brian to, to put that down. I, I should write that down before I forget. Actually, it's terrible, so I won't. Okay. Uh, a couple outjuries. Uh, Corey Crawford has been activated from the IR. So back to goalie talk. As expected, uh, Colin Delia has been sent down to the minors. So it's going to be Crawford and Cam Ward for however long both of these guys can stay healthy. Uh, Crawford, like, like Chicago's been scoring goals a lot now, right? So I feel like Corey Crawford just needs to play average and he's going to get some wins, you would think, unless Chicago all of a sudden goes cold. Uh, he's going to have an easy-ish first game against Anaheim on Wednesday. You can't ask for a better opponent to come back against, you would think. So, yeah, I would try to get Corey Crawford back into your roster for this Anaheim game and then go from there. Like, this is a guy who used to be a really good goalie. He's had a lot of trouble this year. I'm sure the injuries haven't helped. Head injuries are always very scary and, and concerning, but he's apparently healthy, and, and I wish him all the best. I hope I hope that he's fully healthy, and I'm sure fantasy owners will be happy to have him for their playoff runs, especially in a league that really focuses on wins as the main goalie category. Yeah, fantasy owners of Corey Crawford rejoice. He's come back, and uh, Chicago's on a streak, so he's not going to hurt that. He should be able to pile up some wins for you going into the playoffs. Yeah, okay. And then uh, one more outjury. Jordan Stahl returned to the Hurricanes on Saturday. Like, he's like, yeah, I kind of forgot about this guy. Like, he's been gone for so long with a concussion himself, but he came back on Saturday, jumped on a line with Tara Vine and Michael Furland, who, by the way, did Furland not get traded? Now that I didn't think about it, but I, don't, I didn't hear anything about him. Nope. Ah, all this talk. I, okay, we had Ryan Bolta. I'm going to have to message Ryan Bolta. He was a guest on our show a couple weeks ago. He told us that he heard through the grapevine that it was like a guarantee Furland was going to be gone. Maybe at the time, Carolina didn't see themselves as a playoff team, but they've been looking so good lately, especially since they got Nino Niederreiter, who is crushing it on the top line with Aho and Williams, and Justin Williams also, and Sebastian Aho. Like all three of them, like Aho, I just no point talking about because everyone knows he's a superstar at this point, but like Niederreiter and Justin Williams are both guys you probably could have gotten out of free agency in a lot of leagues. And if you did, you're loving life. And then you got Jordan Stahl now going to jump on a line with Tara Vine and Michael Furland. The, all three of those guys might have some nice fantasy value as well. Moving forward and Stahl had an assist in his return. Two shots, three hits, so he's really great in those bangers leagues. So yeah, I think Stahl's a nice option if uh, he's been forgotten. Like, I kind of forgot about him since he was injured for so long. Yeah, what do you think about Carolina at this point? Like, you talked about the Granlin trade as maybe the potential next like steal of the century, comparing that to the Forsberg for Erat trade. But this like Nino Niederreiter for even whoever, I don't even remember, Stahl? No, what was his name? 
Just, just goes to show how cra- crazy of a trade it was that I already forget this guy's name with uh, Minnesota because niederreiter has been amazing. 15 points in 16 games as a hurricane. And yeah, like, do you think that Carolina is a good team? It seems to and like McElhenney and Mrazek actually giving them good goaltending, which you wouldn't have expected to hear it. Like both of those things are weird. The, the fact that Carolina is getting good goaltending and the fact that they're getting it from McElhenney and Mrazek. But hey, whatever works, there's a decent chance that Tampa Bay could be rewarded with their amazing season by having to play like Columbus or Carolina in the first round, both kind of seem like scary opponents at this point. Like I really like the Carolina hurricanes. Yeah. I'm a fan of Carolina too. Sorry. I'm going to interrupt. It was Victor Rask. I just wanted to say that's who was, he was traded for. Just jumped to my head. There you go. Bing. Uh, Yeah. I like Carolina a lot. I think they're a team that's on the cusp of making a next step. And I think all the credit goes a lot of the credit goes to Ron Francis. I said on the last episode, I didn't think he should have been fired. Um, I really like the moves that he's that he's made. He inherited a team that had really empty cupboards, and he did a great job of adding picks and prospects. And I think their team did a really good job of drafting. And I've been think they've been doing a very good job of developing. I like some of the, a lot of the players in Charlotte and on their system. Uh, what I would have liked to have seen them do today is make a hockey trade. You know, not like a rental scenario, but uh, a hockey trade where they can maybe parlay one or two of their prospects or assets into a top six player and that might be something that they look at doing in the offseason those kind of trades are more kind of offseason deals uh but hopefully they can do something like that um as far as stall goes you're talking about him i'm not sure how much gas he has left in the tank for in terms of fantasy value probably not going to be a prolific score for the balance of his career but you know if he comes back and he's able to you know play in a top six role for them that'd be that would be good for him yeah. So anyways, to answer your point, I like Carolina. I, I think they're trending in the right direction. I don't like their little surge at the end of the games, but, you know, I don't think it makes them jerks. But uh, it's not for me, but it's, you know, it doesn't hurt me, so I don't care. Yeah, I'd imagine you got to do something to entertain the fans. Like, it's not as if Carolina is the most excited hockey market out there. But that's, that's a whole other conversation. As far as fantasy goes, I agree with you, by the way. Jordan Stahl, I'm not saying to, like, rush, drop anyone to get him on your roster. But in a bangers league, it's just, like, nice to know he's there. He might be able to get you, like, a point every couple games or so. And, yeah, Nino Niederreiter, man, yeah, I, I got him as a free agent in one league. And I'm just loving life right now. Uh, yeah, I guess. and they got good players coming too from the system as well. So there's lots to like about Carolina. Oh yeah, they want to throw any names at us? Who who are you liking in the Carolina prospect cupboard? Uh, Yanni Kukinen is having a tremendous season for them. They have a prospect playing in uh, college, David Cotton, who I really like. Uh, he's a big guy. Um, Roland McEwen is a defenseman that I like. This is all off the top of his head, people. He doesn't. I didn't prepare him for that question. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no. prospects. <laughs> yeah, no, they're they got some players on the way. Nice. Okay. Good. That's not, uh, they deserve it, right? Like Carolina's been so bad for so long. They just needed the goal. We've been saying it forever. Like that Scott Darling thing was so terrible. They could have been good last year, maybe if they had better goaltending. Uh, okay. So yeah, let's end with a couple of hot streaks and cold streaks. I wanted to bring up Victor Hedman. Actually, he's like kind of behind his marks. Of he had seventy two points a couple of years ago, sixty three points last year and now this year he currently has 37 points in 54 games that's a 56 point pace currently on a five game pointless streak going into today so tampa is playing today against la so i don't like embarrass myself and see that like 
Uh, Hedman has a couple of points. But yeah, pointless again today. So I, obviously, this is like a PK Subban type question, which by the way, Subban does have a couple points today. So maybe I could take credit for waking him up by asking if he's bad. And you said that he's not. And then he decided to thank uh, thank you by giving you a couple points. But yeah, Victor Hedman, I just want to throw him out there. Like, how good is Victor Hedman? Like, who's the real Victor Hedman? Like, what would you say is his value moving forward? Like, you see more as the two year ago 75 point guy, the last year 65 point guy, the this year like around 55 point guy. Like, he's the top power play guy on this. Uh, like star-studded Tampa team that scores a ton of goals, but and he's like, but it doesn't seem like the offense like runs through him. You know, like today they scored a power play goal, so I'm assuming that Hedman was on the ice, but it was Braden Point assisted by Steven Stankos and Nikita Kucherov, and I feel like a lot of their power play goals are involving these three guys and not the others on that unit. Like Andre Palat also barely gets power play points, even though he's on that top unit. Yeah, so I'm going to qualify my answer by saying I'm biased because I'm I'm a Victor Hedman fantasy owner, and this season's season slump has been a, a tough one to endure. Um, I think the real Victor Hedman is a Norris trophy candidate. Uh, so the thing is that they're good and they're deep. So he doesn't need to be the offensive uh, juggernaut, the guy driving the engine for the offense. Cause they just have so many guns and so many options. Um, and they got a little bit of depth on, on their blue line this year too. Um, and who knows, maybe he's been enduring some sort of nagging injury or something like that. Or they're always contenders in the playoffs, but they always fall short, right? Like how many times can Tampa Bay make it to the conference final and come up short? So maybe he's saving it for a playoff run. I don't know. Uh, but I expect it'll be status quo for the rest of the season. Um, what you see is what you get this year with, with Victor Hedman. Um, but hopefully next year will be different. Uh, this Tampa Bay has got some serious cap crunch decisions to make. They have uh, a couple of players who will be clearing out cap space. They got to sign um, Braden Point. Kucherov's contract kicks in. So, I mean, you can say goodbye to Strawman and, and Coburn and Girardi on their blue line. So that's going to open up a whole bunch of minutes for Hedman because they won't have the cap room to add a whole bunch of defensemen other than, you know, some journeyman guys or, or maybe a prospect or two from within their system give some more ice time to some of the guys that are already there, like, uh, like Eric Cernak, but hopefully, um, Hedman benefits from having an increased role next year and plays more like the guy that is in the 67 point range. Right. Interesting. So you're saying he's the same great defenseman that he always was, but right now there's a few more people to spread the offense around with. So he doesn't have to go super hard trying to generate all of the offense. Maybe that's why he's a little lower than next year. If they're a little bit shallower then you could expect him to get closer. So, Hey, maybe you'll get uh, Victor Hedman with a bit of like, obviously in the dynasty league, he's going to get kept, but in a one year league, maybe you could draft him a little later than usual. If people are just looking at this year's numbers, it looks like he's going to pace for around 55, 60 points, which is still great for a defenseman, but obviously he's set the bar so much higher. You mentioned Eric, Cernak who's this guy like all of a sudden out of nowhere I'm seeing this guy a ton of hits like maybe the offense isn't there but if you're in a hits league you've got to know who Eric Cernak is he's had eight hits then four hits and four hits in his last three games he seems to also get a couple blocks a game to go along with it so when you're bangers and match leagues this guy is filling up the stat sheet even some shots uh is this guy a good player like is he gonna stick on the team and do you think at least be a reliable option to keep putting up peripherals yep yeah he's legit um Tampa loves him they're very high on him He's a big Slovak. He's been in North America for a few years now. He played with Erie. He helped them win a Memorial Cup. Uh, he played one year in the AHL last year, had a great season. Um, that's all the development time in the A he needed. Uh, so he's been a prospect who's been on the rise and moving up their depth chart for 
uh, at a pretty steady pace for a little while now. Um, his fantasy upside, uh, like you said, is uh, geared more towards bangers and match points leagues. Uh, lots of hits. He could lead the NHL in hits next year. That's not out of the realm of possibility. He could give Gudis a run for his money. I assume he's still the hit champ. Um, uh, his, so his point upside, though, might be a little bit limited. So I think 20, 30 points might be a career year for him somewhere in that range. Uh, so depending on how dependent you are on getting points from your defenseman, uh, he might not be a great option, but, uh, if you know, 20 points is satisfactory for a guy that's going to give you over a hundred hits, then there you go. Yeah. Okay. There you go. And also, like you said, if Tampa is going to have fewer options next year, then maybe that's some more ice time for Cernak and that's going to help him get you more of those hits. By the way, you brought up Gudas leading the league in hits. Uh, not correct. I just brought it up. He's played 58 games and Gudas has 197 hits, which is good. But I'm going to throw some names at you of guys who are doing better. <laughs> not the typical names that we bring up on keeping Carlson, but ahead of Gudas are in like, so, or I'm going to go from last to first here or eighth to first Chris Wagner, Lawson Kraus, Cedric Paquette, Matt Martin, Brandon Tanev. He's been a guy who's been worth uh, streaming in fantasy, especially because he's getting points every once in a while. Tanev has 24 points in 62 games to go along with his 212 hits. Uh, then you got Milan Lucic. The one place where he's still relevant in fantasy is he gives you hits. Uh, Ryan Reeves. Do you want to take one final guess at who's leading the league in hits? I can tell no. you the team if that'll help. Vegas. For the listeners, I'll give you give the listeners a second to guess. Okay, it's William Carrier. He's got uh, 247 hits. <laughs> I see you're shaking your head like, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's not a guy definitely on my radar either. It's uh, nice to see Lawson Krauss on that list, though. I'm a bit of a Lawson Krauss fan. I like that guy. Oh, yeah? Well, yeah, he's uh, 19 points also in 61 games. That's not so bad for, uh, I don't know, someone who also throws a lot of hits. Yeah. Okay, let's end the show. One more guy I want to ask you about, another young player. or I don't even think he is a young player, but he's like a new player in the league at the very least. Devin Taves over on the Islanders pulling a D'Angelo right now, getting assists in pretty much every game. He's got assists in each of his last five games. Also, Devin Taves is seeing a nice chunk of power play time. He has three power play assists in his last seven games to go along with four regular assists. Who, who do you like better between Devin Taves and Anthony D'Angelo if you wanted to grab one of these new surging defensemen who's getting a lot of assists? Uh, like You've got Pulak on the Islanders and Boychuk picking up points recently. It seems like almost like Nick Letty is now like the fourth best fantasy fantasy defenseman on the Islanders. Cause all these guys seem to be doing better while Nick Letty continues to do absolutely nothing. But yeah, what, what's your take on Devin Taves? Is he someone that's on your radar at all? Yeah. Yeah. Devin Taves has been on my radar for a few years now. Uh, we've been talking about him on, on DPR uh, several times. Uh, so the story with him is uh, he had a breakout AHL season in 16, 17, uh, where he was uh, all-star defenseman in his rookie season and whatnot. A um, bit of a sophomore slump last year uh, where, you know, he's in the AHL still. Uh, didn't duplicate the success he had as a rookie. Uh, and then this year he's obviously um, turned it around and he's made himself an NHL player. Uh, I, I think he's in the NHL to stay. Uh, I think he's got a, a good opportunity in the Islanders. I don't think it's impossible for him to bump someone out of a regular roster spot there. Uh, I'm not sure that his, did you ask me to compare it to uh, uh, D'Angelo? Yeah. Yeah. So D'Angelo certainly has way more skill. Um, he's got a much higher fantasy upside. You know, D'Angelo's upside is in the 60 point range and Devin Taves is, is more like the 30 point range, but uh, Devin Taves NHL certainty is much higher than 
than D'Angelo. So what's your what's your appetite for the gamble there? Do you want to you know swing for the fences or or take the sure thing? Right. So yes, a ceiling floor situation. D'Angelo could get you zero points if he's not making it on the roster. Though obviously the Rangers, at least for this season, are going to have to play him because they don't have too many too many options right now. Okay, that's good to know. So if you're looking at free agent defensemen to stream for your fantasy playoffs, looks like Peter is saying take D'Angelo first, but Devin Taves could be a solid option that's going to play every game. Uh, one final player I wanted to ask you about on the Islanders is Matt Barzell. Uh, he's really not doing that well lately. He only has six points in his last 12 games. And I'm seeing that in practice today, he was centering a line of with Komarov and Andrew Ladd. So I guess it's like the third line, like or maybe the second, I don't know, because the other line has been Phil Pula, Beauvillier, and Josh Bailey, and then Andrew Ladd with Nelson and Eberle, which I'd imagine is the top line. So like, what's going on with Matt Barzell? Is it time to uh, consider him like not as valuable as we thought he was going into the season? Like, uh, you know, maybe it's, is it catching up to him that he's having to play the toughest competition all the time and not having Jonathan Tavares on his power play with him? No, I wouldn't worry. Like we talked about earlier, scores are, are streaky by nature, right? And he was like that even in his fantastic rookie season last year where he had, I think, a couple of five-point games or whatever it was. So, yeah. you know, he hasn't had, I don't know what you just said, the points was six points in 12 games or whatever it was. Yeah, that's in his last 12 games. But yeah, before that, he was doing pretty well. Yeah, so, I mean, he could have six points in his next game, and then it all works out at the end. So I would uh, I would hang tight on Barzell. He's, he's, he's the real deal. Okay, cool. Yeah, just a tough time, obviously, for his fantasy owners, for him to go cold right around the fantasy playoffs time, and obviously never nice to see uh, any of your rostered fantasy players playing on a line with Leo Komarov and Andrew Ladd. That is not going to make you happy, so hopefully that'll change soon. Uh, and with that, Peter, that gets us through everything I wanted to talk to you about. Thank you so much for sticking with us for this whole episode. We really went through the gamut. And yeah, this has been amazing. I guess before we go, I definitely want to give you a chance to promote uh, all your great work on Dauber Prospects Radio Podcast. Or I guess I could do it myself. It's a great podcast. Check it out. I really like that one you did. I guess it was like a month ago now or so where you gave some general strategies of like tanking and and sort of like strategies for these like dynasty leagues i think people we do have a lot of listeners who always like ask us you know can you guys talk more about prospects like if you want to hear more about prospects like brian and i could like try to stumble through it or you could just listen to the real thing go to dollar prospects radio with peter he gets great guests and they clearly as you heard from this episode know what they're talking about yeah peter uh, do you want to say anything else about dpr how people could find it what they should do yeah so you can follow the podcast twitter account at dpr underscore show um if you want to follow me i it's kind of the same thing. We just retweet each other all the time. I'm at Farling at P-H-A-R-L-I-N-G. Uh, so you can find the podcast on all your standard hosting sites, iTunes, um, Spotify, Google, SoundCloud, whatever. And uh, whichever one you follow me on, you know, help help spread the word. Give the show a five-star review. Tell me what you want to hear. I'm always amenable to fan suggestions or listener suggestions and uh hope you like the show awesome and yeah elon thanks for having me on this is uh this has been totally awesome i had a lot of fun oh i'm so glad you said that i i wasn't sure if you had a lot of fun or if you're like let me leave please i want to go to bed but no this has been like i really appreciate it like you came in like brian couldn't make and you came in in a tough spot like like with so many players i wanted to get through on the busy trade deadline day and like you killed it so i uh, me and the listeners all very much appreciate it. So, yeah, everyone please uh, check out the dpr show and also give peter that five-star review 
And hey, while you're at it, if you want to throw us a five-star review, we won't complain because that's a great way to support Keeping Carlson. We have our Patreon, keepingcarlson.com slash patron. So you can check that out for all the information. I won't, I won't waste your time with that. How about let's just cue the outro music. And normally I ask Brian to read us the credits, but he's not here, but I have his notes here. So uh, normally he promotes all these sites that he uses to prep, Dauber Hockey, Frozen Pool, Dauber Prospects. Then there's a bunch of ones that I definitely didn't use, uh, but I'll throw them out there. Corsica, Natural Stature, Evolving Hockey, Charting Hockey, HockeyGoalies.org, Hockey Reference, Hockey Biz, Hockey Database, Elite Prospects, Roto World, NHL Names. Oh yeah, NHL Names. I like that site. You could go, I think it's NHLNames.com. You click a player's name and tell you how to pronounce it. It plays clips from a game. So that was a great idea. Whoever came up with that, you should get a bunch of ads on there and then make some money because that's, that's a really nice resource because Brian and I definitely butcher a bunch of them. Uh, yeah. another, nice, another nice resource that everyone should check out if you if you enjoyed this episode. Uh, one of the writers, uh, editors actually for Dauber Prospects, Hayden Sobolewski, created a website called mcdavidforpicks.com and you can pick two teams and then put a couple names of players in and, and see if it's a fair trade or not. It's a great way to kill some time when you're bored at work mcdavidforpicks.com check it out oh cool okay yeah definitely will uh so yeah with that uh goodbye everyone we'll be back at you with another regular episode of keeping carlson next sunday night back to our regular scheduled programming and yeah thanks again peter my pleasure anytime keep on keeping carlson <laughs> <laughs>